I just did a DeSantis tag search on the website yeah. to see if I had tagged DeSantis in our podcast in previous times. And so I caught a few minutes of us talking about him over the course of the last two years. And my consistent take is, Mass, he's a real weird little dude. And I said that like four different times that I heard. He is pretty weird. Iron Brains, a podcast that doesn't pretend to know everything or even a whole lot about politics and the news or what have you. But we've always been steadfast in our belief that whatever else we don't understand about our country and its people, we're certain that the vast majority of Americans don't want anyone to make America Florida. My name is Bob, sitting across the way from my good friend and co-host. That's Abe. How you doing tonight, Abe? Doing well, Bob. Yeah, here we are. Lori's here too. How you doing tonight, Lori? Oh, not whatever. Lori's, uh, not whatever. Tonight is Tuesday, January 23rd, 2024. Abe, you have a good weekend? Yeah, lots, uh, lots of football. Yeah, I was watching a lot of that. On, um, I was gonna say this at the beginning. What did I watch? But uh, I can mention it here because it's not a movie. I went to um, one of those uh, acrobatic shows, uh, Cirque du Soleil, which I've never been to oh, before. Yeah? Is there a nice. Cirque du Soleil like uh, permanent residency in Atlanta, or are they are they traveling? It- I think they're they're making their rounds, but they were here for like a short stint, like a, f- a couple of months. Like this was their last weekend gotcha. that they were at wherever they are. It's like where the they play tennis, like in Atlanta. Sometimes they stop doing that at Atlantic Station. They did they did Cirque du Soleil on uh, disused tennis courts. Is that what you're no, telling me? It that that space where they used it for tennis, they got rid of all the tennis stuff. Okay, and propped up some tent. Very tight, by the way. Why? Like uh, like, what happened to tennis? Tennis is a popular situation down there in Atlanta. What's the problem? I think they're looking for something more permanent. Like they were having the some ATP tour was making the round. They used to host there. Gotcha. But like, I guess somebody figured out, hey, why are we with this temporary weird setup? Like, let's find another place. I don't know where. So Atlanta hosted, just, uh, or or the right across from my neighborhood when i lived in high school the the prestwick subdivision if you want to be a weirdo and google that up the prestwick subdivision in duluth georgia was right across the street from the atlanta athletic club where for a couple of years at least one that i went to anyway they hosted some atp event that my buddy and i were able to walk across and just walk across the oh. the street there and and witness that was fun i don't know if they've continued to use that facility, Atlantic Station's awfully nice. I've only been there once in the years Wait, so since it was in redeveloped. Your, in your setup, like you can just walk in and watch the game, or you like do they no, there were like tickets ticket and stuff. Event? But we had okay. we okay. like it was a full on, you know, professional tennis tournament. So they had a right. the whole deal. But I think we had tickets comped from somebody who worked at the club, or you know, North gotcha. Metro Atlanta, very fancy people that we knew uh, around there. Yeah, anyway, oh, uh, Cirque nice. du Soleil. That sounds fun. Yeah, so the, apparently they have different versions of the show. Like the one that I went to was called Echo, which I, I've never heard of. Uh, apparently there's a story. They try to do a story, but the whole time I'm just I'm sure it's keeping quite abstract. Yeah. it's. I mean, the, the story is like there's some, some woman and her dog, like they 
came across some magical cube that connects the ports into some other universe or some weird cockamamie thing like that. But like the whole time they're using that premise to kind of like come up with some new stunts. And the whole time I'm thinking like, man, like at any given point you, in the past, I would watch acrobatics on television and like that buffer of like, you know, that I'm, I'm not physically there to see this. Like, I'm like, oh, they probably, this is a recorded thing, so I know they're right. fine. What's but the worst like that could happen watching person. this? I mean, they're not going to show a person die on television <laughs> yes. uh, falling out of a silk scarf from 40 feet in the air. That's not going to happen. So it's all fine right. on TV. Right. Uh, so I, I was like, I don't have that protection here. I'm like, oh, this is happening right now. Like, oh, hey, were anything could happen. Were you extremely high at the time no. when these intrusive thoughts began uh, filtering in? No, I was under the beer. I was not okay. high. How dare you? I imagine. <laughs> I can I imagine just... if that sort of thought were to occur to a person when they were extremely high, it would be difficult to get out from under that thought uh, for the rest of the show. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, they 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 are quite impressive in like the the risks they take for just like some buffoon like me to be like, oh, look at this. This is neat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, good. I'm. Uh... That sounds like fun. We need uh, more than just football uh, in our lives to discuss. That's right. <laughs> uh, what did we do this weekend? Anything worth commenting on? We went skiing. We, we had did. A whole adventure. We went. We went skiing. We had an adventure. We had, an we adventure. had a, like, danger this weekend. We, yes, we also uh, put life and limb at risk. Uh, but rather than uh, paying some other person to do it, we did it uh, to ourselves in multiple ways. Uh, just Silly. just for the thrills, we went up to uh, Lori's father's got a house in about an hour and a half north of here in the mountains, and it's right above a ski resort. And so we went up there. The house is empty because uh, he doesn't live there. Dad's in Florida at the moment, and uh, we were able to go skiing. But the the first part of the adventure was just getting up the mountain to the house because the roads up there we also saw the biggest model train ever that's true okay probably not not the biggest model train ever we didn't go to some fancy museum uh but this guy uh his name is bob i introduced myself friend introduced myself as uh, as bob and there was a moment of confusion uh because he's a slightly older gentleman and i think he thought that i was just saying his name back to him rather than introducing myself as also his name uh but that was all fine old guy really into trains like uh way more into trains than you are into anything uh probably and that's not right. abe i'm talking to uh whoever you are who are into <laughs> things you're not as into the thing that you care about passionately as this guy is into model trains he had a whole addition like a, a, a an outbuilding put on his house so that he could put his model train collection in the house, like in, in the another... 20 by 20 square room. Right. So he built an outbuilding that includes a bottom floor that's got like a skee-ball machine and a ping-pong table where he evidently plays ping-pong against himself because he's got this set up with an auto ping-pong shooter where it's like a big net on one end where traditionally you'd play against a pal or a a friend, Uh, ping-pong being a two-person activity, unless you're Forrest Gump or uh, uh, Bob the train enthusiast. It sounds like I'm I'm making fun of the guy. I'm not. He's a lovely man. Bob's super Uh, jealous. uh, 
Very impressive. Uh, yeah. Ski ball and and the the ping pong auto feeder down there on the on the the first level. But then you go up this this stairwell into the second floor, where there's a twenty by twenty room, a twenty by twenty square room that you, you come up into the middle of. You ascend into the middle of uh, because the the stairwell stops in the middle of the like starts in the middle of the floor downstairs and ascends to the top of the middle of the above room and so you turn around and you're completely surrounded by in in circular fashion this guy's model train set which is like six different looping tracks that includes like two or three different levels where they can go up and down I asked him how many feet of track he had laid down. He did not have a good answer for me, which was disappointing. Seemed like the sort of number that a person like this would just have on hand. Like, right, he's uh, got it ready. Well, to go. if I laid it out, if I laid it out uh, one in front of the other, it would go on uh, approximately halfway to the moon, and I would be like, "Ah, oh, I, I believe you," based on the thing By that the I'm way, looking at. That is an opportunity to just say whatever you'll you would have easily just accepted it. Like if he said exactly that, you're like, "Oh, he's not that that's kind of guy." Right. Yeah, he's not that kind of guy. Every little thing, there's so much detail in everything. Like, right, we're not just talking about a guy who like laid out the tracks and then put some trains on top of it and then was fine. Like every every square inch of the of the 400 square feet there is is filled with some sort of detail that relates to some sort of small story that he's trying to tell about one particular aspect of the setup. So there's like a baseball game happening and you can see on the field, there's a score and there's a, there's a certain number of men on base and there's people in the stands and the, the hot dog guy is selling stuff on the, so, and that's just like one little three foot square (laughs) of this room. Uh, that you could look at for like ten minutes just to find all the little details in. Like it's a it's a crazy setup and very impressive. And also like whenever you're around somebody who's really into something and you are yeah. very much just like an interloper in this in this uh, realm of passion uh, to the point where like you literally can't think of anything that you care about as much as he cares about trains. Right. It can be slightly off putting. For you, the interloper observer type, is his uh, is his interest in trains just limited to the model trains, or is he like one of those people that gets on those leisure trains that go across the country? Probably a little bit of both. It's just that doing that, you got to leave the house. When he was, I think it's just like he was five years old and he was really into trains, and he never went away. Uh, He just and this is the, the. he had a is grandfather who up? was like somehow involved in the train industry or something, and right. that like did something yeah, to his brain. I'm surprised you didn't tell him about your connection to the train industry. Yeah, I didn't want to bring that up. I don't. So, because my uh, great grandfather in England, the Headley, invented the Headley steam engine. So he was like. You don't mention this to this person who is like really into this? What if he thought I was bullshitting him? And what if I was unable to answer very good follow up questions because I wouldn't have been able to answer them? But you're not the person who created. Like, you could say, oh, I don't know shit about that. That's what I know. I told you all I know. Right. (laughs) That's the limit. But he would have been furious with me if I had been like, (laughs) yeah, my great grandfather and his dad helped invent the. 
the Headley, like they invented the Headley steam engine, one of the first working train steam engines that that uh, that England ever produced, and uh, that that would have been the full extent of my knowledge about it. I could have then spelled the last name for him, but I would not have been able to answer any follow up questions, and he would have been furious or assumed that I was fucking with him. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> It would have never occurred to me that there would be some disappointment in this revelation. It's like, holy shit, I never get to use this information. Here it is. <laughs> this is my moment. Well, <laughs> maybe maybe we'll make it back out there. Uh, That's right. And I can, I can let them know. Uh, but that was long. Well, later. That, commit to the line That now. was the yeah. first adventure. So the first adventure was the train. But, but just getting – because here's the thing. So Calvin was sick on Friday. The kids missed like – fucking somehow seven days of school last week out of the out of the five possible uh because of uh, a, one legitimate snow day and then one uh we got a leftover uh snow situation here so we're gonna have to cancel school again and then one it was like oh literally it was just no, a wet they pavement canceled day school one they had a two-hour delay so it was mlk week so they were off on monday they were off on monday school was out on tuesday legitimately it was the roads were three inches of snow. Yeah, we say legitimately, but in uh, legitimate North Atlantic, we're or not there. We're clearly, here uh, in 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 a in a place that gets regular snow. This yeah. should not have it been. It would have been nothing if you had salt. We don't have salt, and we have hills, so it's right. not something and, that and cowards can be is what we have. We have weak-willed <laughs> cowards who are not interested in providing for the local rabble. Because they're elitists. All right, you talked about it last week. It's and... boring to say twice, so just don't even get into it. Uh, anyway. Anyway, Tuesday, no school. Wednesday, uh, delayed opening, two hours back. Thursday, uh, full day. And then there was, in the forecast, a potential for uh, like win- inch. wintry weather overnight. And they canceled school. And I school. said, they're not going to have school tomorrow. And I said, bullshit. And I set my alarm for 530 like I do anyway. And I got up at 530 and I'm doing my business, getting ready to go for my run at 540 in the morning. And the little notification comes in on the phone like, nope, no school today either. And I, that's when they announce it. The morning of, like a couple hours before the buses. Yeah, I think I think it's like six. The absolute last minute is like six fifteen or something like that, where they have to make the call by then. And so at like five forty, they sent out the the announcement saying no school today. And at like I went to walk the dog at like seven fifteen or seven thirty, and it was cold. Like it was very cold. But it was just wet pavement. The issue was that there was wet pavement, and that's why they canceled school. Presumably, I guess, because, like, the bridge or overpass will freeze before the re- – you know, that, that sign you see on the highway? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Again, you talked about this last week, so you have to skip over it. Fine. Whatever. No fucking school on Friday either. Bullshit. 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 Calvin stays home, and at, like, 3 o'clock, he yarfs. And our plan was to go – out to Lori's dad's place in the mountains for a night or two and do some skiing. And it looked like Calvin was possibly going to derail those plans with his yarfing. Uh, Ultimately, uh, whatever, we decided to chance it and go out there on Saturday. He seemed recovered enough. Because we weren't going to ski till Sunday anyway. So we had a full day to get whatever. Right. Because Saturday, it was like eight degrees during the day on the mountain. Like it was extremely cold. Uh, which would have been also I had to work more importantly I had to work right plus Lori had to work anyway it was so cold on the mountain that even though they hadn't had any precipitation over the last couple of days there was still a layer of ice and snow on these snowy mountain passes which made our trip in our 
front-wheel drive Honda sedan not entirely safe and not entirely productive. Uh, the first time that we tried to uh, mount some of these larger hills, we we did that thing where everything just starts sort of swerving and fishtailing out from under you. Uh, did you come across any uh, particularly steep hills, or they yes, like it's a, a mountain. Kinda... Oh no, like right, but you know sometimes they kind of like no, know, no, no. These were like hair, hairpin turns yeah. with steep hills in order oh, to wow. like, get up the mountain. Like you've driven through mountains, yes, where it's like yeah. you have to drive twenty five miles an hour right. because you have to. It's that, yeah. but it's with like a layer that. of ice on top of that, which if you have a four wheel drive car is less of a problem. But we don't have that. Yeah, we don't have. Were that. there? Uh, what was the uh, other motorist situation look like? What was None like? other motorists. Very minimal. Maybe a, okay. uh, a one or so two. So you have to deal with that. Okay. No, it didn't no, feel. No, they would have pointed and left. Right. It, it didn't feel entirely <laughs> unsafe, except for when okay. the car started like slipping and sliding. But ultimately, we made it up to the top of the mountain there and into the house, and it all was fine. Although I did learn that. Because I was, I was like, man, because uh, you know, like something happens, and it's not like I can go out tomorrow and buy a new car. Like that's obviously not going to happen. But as soon as it's like, man, my car did not perform in the way that I wanted it to. What can we do in the future to prevent this uh, eventuality from recurring? And it's like, ah, we're just going to have to get a big fucking car, and it's going to have to have four wheel drive. This is bullshit. We cannot be in a position where once every seven years or so we might be uh, in a situation where we can't climb this steep mountain pass so we should get a much larger and more and then capable his car smart wife was like we could get chains for the tires that come on and off i was uh, i was way ahead of lori on the on the other options which include apparently the more important thing for driving on snow and ice is not having all wheel or four wheel drive it's having the correct tires rather than the all the so-called all weather tires that are on yeah. all of our cars now uh like people in canada for example or the or the northeast often uh swap their tires out based on the season where they put the winter right. tires which are a right. chunkier sort of there's more divots or what have you in each of the in the treads uh, which help you uh, get more traction. That apparently makes all the difference in the world. And then also, you go on Amazon and you just type in the tire chains, and there's like there's a million different products that you can just strap onto your wheels when you when you need uh, the added the, traction. Uh, the tire ch- uh, the the chain would be more feasible, I imagine. Like getting like four right, especially living in tires just stashed away right. for once in a seven year event. Right, living in Virginia it doesn't make any sense for us to have an entire set of four winter tires uh were we to move to vermont or maine or something in the especially because much... we can't change them ourselves right like it's not something like oh it's gonna snow let's put the snow tires on like that doesn't work you have, you to, have to take planning. it to the yeah. car place like, yeah. I don't also do you know that. what a weird hardo you got to be to be like yeah i live in central virginia but every once every four years or so we really need these <laughs> snow tires and i go out there into the driveway and get the lift on my car. I jack the car up, and I'm, <laughs> you just see old old Dad Bob out there, like importantly, very self-importantly. Like I said, we don't. We're not going putting to the do tires that. on the car for the in, weekend. In that situation, you would waste no opportunity to let others know that you. Oh were yeah, that is a, a pure <laughs> suburb dad move: is to go out into the driveway with all it's of the fit. all of the accoutrement and be like, it's ah, look what fit. I'm up to here. <laughs> Yeah, you want to talk about it? I'll talk about it. Hell yeah, I will. Uh, that sort of thing. 
And then never actually get the tires on the car because you right. fucking spent all day bullshitting with the neighbors. <laughs> anyway, whatever. We ended up on the slopes on Sunday. And uh, long story short, it was a lot of fun. And there were no uh, serious injuries until Lori on the way out of town. We had one last thing to do. We had to drop the passes off with Bob the train guy. Because okay. we picked them up from him. So we had... Harrowing roads, dangerous athletic activity. Skiing is so goddamn dangerous. Uh, forgive me for interrupting. It's insane that you uh, put yourself on these very slick, thin... I don't think it's that dangerous. Uh, uh, ...pieces of, of plastic and nylon or whatever else they're made of. And then, uh, like, uh, make sure that they're very smooth, right? They have to be uh, uh, waxed or, or, or treated in some way. And then you put your butt in a chair, which takes you to the top of a fucking mountain. Uh, and then you right. point your skis towards the bottom of the mountain and uh, very quickly... Accelerate. No, that's what's dangerous. Down the hill. And you're surrounded by trees, like large immovable objects. You're surrounded by uh, uh, this. This happens to be a also doubles as a mountain biking facility during the spring and summer months so that they they, they don't just shut down. Right. So they can do other things on this mountain. And so there's like weird plywood and two by four structures all up and down this mountain for the mountain bikes. You're not supposed to go in those places. No, you shouldn't. You're supposed to just stay. But a rank amateur is what uh, all of us are when it comes to skiing. Uh, me, yeah, especially. Yeah, but we're very careful. Uh, sure. But also, when I, I, me being very careful also involves me uh, deciding about halfway down some of the steeper slopes to be like, you know, I'm not sure I'm entirely in control of the situation here with the, the sneaky, snaky back and forth thing. Right. So I'm just going to point the skis downhill for the rest of this stretch and see what happens at the bottom and hope for the best, basically, because uh, I have not done this very much. And you survived. Yes, yes, hope. sure. I survived. But like, it's a wildly dangerous thing that it's, we no, do. It's, it's uh, as dangerous as you want it to be. Didn't uh, Cher's Sonny Bono die by way Cher's of— Cher's Sonny Bono did a, die doing skiing. By way of a— tr- yeah, because I always thought until I heard that story, I always thought, "Oh man, that's where the avalanche happened." I'm not worried, not not worried about my skills. I'm worried about the stupid fucking snow killing me. Yeah. Well, uh, that won't happen but, here because it's all pretend snow for the most part. Okay. But yeah, apparently you can't. You know, and and he, unlike uh, you, you guys, like he apparently was a somewhat um, like skillful skier. And yeah, and that's the problem. Ate the tree. You get cocky. Anyway, we did that part fine. Everything was fine. And then we, like, the roads were slightly better, but, you know, still not great. And all we had to do was drop the passes off with Bob the train guy. And I busted my ass on the driveway slick ice. Oh, I no. I fell right on my butt and my elbow. I pull into this guy's driveway, and Lori gets out of the car, and she's just going to hustle on over to the little mailbox so that she can put the – and the mailbox, of it course – It was only icy is, right in front of the mailbox. Is a train. Uh, it's a <laughs> it's a mailbox in the shape of a train because, of course, it is. And I what's funny is I looked over to the left, and I was looking at their front door to their regular house, and I noticed, oh, wow, that's – that's incredibly icy along the path going because to their front door. Because it was a very door. sunny day. Because it so was a sunny ice day. Was melting. The icicles were yeah. melting and they formed a, a pretty clear sheet of ice over the walkway. And right as I'm noticing that, 
I look back towards Lori, and her feet go flying out from under her, and she's on her ass. Uh, and it was and my elbow. It was very funny. I laughed out loud. Uh, she couldn't hear me because she was uh, over there. It, I didn't uh, need to hear. The I, kids, I get it. The kids thought it was funny. The dog was very concerned. The dog didn't oh, think really? this was funny at all. The dog started whining immediately, uh, very worried about Lori. I was fine. I'm sore. I fell so down. It wasn't like a major. Like you didn't have to go to the. Uh, no, I knew right away that I was totally fine, and that. Okay. Ouch! Like all it was was ouch. I fell on my elbow, and my left butt. Like that's kind of okay. what hit, and I knew I was fine, and we wanted to go home. And then yesterday, I was like, "Gosh, I'm like sore from skiing." My body did exercise. And then last night into this morning, I was like, no, no, this is from falling down. From the like, fall. <laughs> I, I very much am whereas, 40. Whereas I was very arrogant. I was like, yeah, I wasn't sore at all from skiing because I exercise all those muscles every day of the week when I do my workout. Anyway, that was our adventure. That's what we did. And we watched football. And yes, of course. Although we didn't watch much, relatively speaking. We only yeah. caught really two of the games and then pieces of the other ones. You caught the, the shank in Buffalo? <laughs> yes, we the caught Buffalo. the entirety of the late That's Sunday so night game. Don't laugh at that. Oh, man. man I, you know, for all great. the shit that I give Jim Nance, uh, he, him having on deck wide – when he says wide right and he says something like two of the, the two most haunting words in Buffalo history come back once yeah. again. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's sitting in the hotel room on Saturday night just going through the list and being like, all right, right. so a missed field goal wide right, I can, I can hit that. But like part of me really wants to believe that Jim Nance just has on deck the ability to pull that out of his ass in the right moment, and he did, right. and that was a great call. The game on the line, he will. 44 yards, Bass. No, he doesn't make it. Wide right. Wow. The two most dreaded words in Buffalo. It was a great call, but I think like that just Buffalo and kicks. I think like you don't even have to like plan it. Like if you're if you if you're around like he has been, like he's just aware of that history. So like I'm sure he didn't have to like plan like, oh if it's if it's a field goal situation and they shank it, right. I'm gonna say this. Um but boy. What a shank. Like, my favorite kind of shanks are where it's, like, immediately apparent that it's not going. It's like, as soon as the ball <laughs> goes up. You're it's like, so Whoop. mean. The ones and that, then all the, the ones fans that... in the background. <laughs> I mean, so that's – to be fair, this isn't a shank in the way that, like, that Ohio State kick against Georgia was a shank. Oh, where yeah, it's no, like, no. That was – yeah, yeah. This is one where he gets it up into the wind and the wind just goes, nope. Like, right. the wind just says, nope, uh, not today, pal. They had every opportunity to win that game. Yeah, it's uh, not on the kicker. That's the thing. Like, I'm not saying, like, because, I mean, there was plenty of opportunities. And even, like, on that drive itself, they had the opportunity to get even closer or even, like, score a touchdown instead of, like, just constantly going for the touchdown. Just get a few yards to get a first down, get closer, and then, you know, right. improve I, your odds. Yeah, those, those, I think it was the second and the third down plays on that final drive before they ended up missing that field goal. He goes long twice when he had the the under route wide open for the, the first down and maybe more. A couple of bad decisions there, which came, unfortunately, at the end of a game where he had – he was victimized by – where Josh Allen, they had drops on him too, right? Like so even when he was hitting the throws, right. it wasn't always working. 
Uh, and then you, and it's a very weird game because the Bills sort of controlled the game despite how offensively dominant the Chiefs were. Like the Chiefs' drives all basically ended successfully, but in a right. weird way, watching it because the Bills were able to run the ball so effectively, it felt more like a game that the Bills were actually in charge of. They just couldn't finish. Uh, and it, it was, it, I mean, the, the couldn't finish part was the recurring. The, theme like the whole time i'm watching the game i'm thinking like this team this kansas city is resilient no matter what they always respond so like if buffalo scores kansas city scores like no matter what like if you if you're up we're gonna come back and score and it felt like they were, they were able to do that throughout the whole game like no matter what we're going to score and you have to keep pace with us and it doesn't matter that we're playing in your home field like you know they're making a big deal about like how kansas city had all of the home games uh, the last few years, and they're always able to beat the Buffalo teams and and the Cincinnati teams and whatnot. But right. like, as though, as the, you know what, and that, that stupid narrative is so stupid because it's not like they just in a lottery are handed home field advantage in the exactly. playoffs. They win the, the home field advantage in the playoffs by being the best team in the regular right. season right. every year for the last six years. So of course right. they're playing home games at that point and usually winning them because they're better than their opponents. Uh, uh, year after year. What are we talking about? And this was supposed to be the not as good Kansas City team because they haven't been like consistently good all year. You're thinking Buffalo, like they're they're rising at the right time. They were also all that great at the beginning of the year either, but like they kind of got things together and they were looking pretty good. All the injuries, I guess I can point to. But like this was an opportunity that they could have won this game and to lose yet again to this team must be frustrating if you're Buffalo because... You know, they weren't good during the peak uh, Brady-Belichick years, you know, so they were always losing to the Patriots for many, many years. And now that they're good, they're like, and, and Tom Brady's gone, they're like, okay, this is our window, and this fucking Mahomes guy is now like, nope, I'm gonna, just going to win all of them. Yeah. And if not me, it'll be Joe Burrow. Josh Allen is very good, uh, but he makes some very bad decisions uh, throughout yes. the course of a game. I mean, I, I mostly his decision to run the ball is pretty consistently the right decision. And they, they do enough designed quarterback running for him uh, to, to really make that work. But in it seems like in crunch time, he just he often either just decides ahead of time what it is he's going to do, uh, the coverage be damned, or or just doesn't let the, the play dictate the decision right. that he's going to make. And it can be very frustrating to watch. Mahomes now has made the playoffs six times in six years as the starting quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs, and has made it to six conference championship games. It's remarkable. Uh, it is basically Brady-like. It's like be- it's far better there. than Brady-like at this point, right. right? I mean, this six for six to start your career as a starter in the NFL to the championship. And he's already, already got two Super Bowls, right? So, like, he's going to break a lot. I mean, not the Tom Brady Super Bowl record, but all the other stuff he's going to break. Right. Is this the greatest start to a quarterback's career that oh, we've yeah. ever seen? Definitely. And he... Uh, he sat a year, right? Like, like he sat out a year. Yeah, the Chiefs had an awesome year under Alex Smith when he was uh, when he was riding the bench, I believe. Yes. Right? Yeah, yeah. So that worked out perfectly. Yeah, no, I, I think this is like the best. And, and and the one change will be he's going to outlast his head coach, right? So there's going to be some new coach that will mm. come in. Andy Reid's not going to be with him for another ten years. How old is Andy Reid? I don't know, like sixty-five. I had to guess sixty-six. Like, is he going to? Yeah. He seems very old, but he might not be. He's also probably not that healthy. Oh, uh, we'll, we'll get, yeah. we'll, what tells you that? <laughs> because he eats food? 
Let's see. He is. Because he eats food. Look That's at that. the sign of unhealthy. <laughs> 65 on the button. Oh, very good, Abe. 65, uh, morbidly obese, and uh, and it has an extremely high-stress job. Uh, Maybe that's his exercise. I don't know if he gets another 10 years uh, or if he would want to necessarily. So the hope is that, you know, maybe they'll get a couple more Super Bowls with the Andy Reid coaching, and then who knows who they bring in after him. So who wins next week? Chiefs versus Ravens? Wait, wait, the- wait, we need to talk about one thing that isn't talked about enough. That fumble recovery by Green Bay? Was that the Green Saturday Bay game? Night. So yeah, Saturday night, the Packers are playing the 49ers. They were up on them too. Like, they were playing surprisingly well. That's right. They ended up losing, and maybe that's not why we're talking about it. That was like the greatest thing I've seen this football I, season. I believe this was on a kick return or a punt return in like the third quarter. Uh, yeah. Okay. But basically, the, this, the, the speak, this is an ugly game. And uh, for the record, neither one of those teams is very good. I know everybody likes the 49ers, but I don't fucking – what's his face? The quarterback. Purdy? Uh, if it's not Jimmy Garoppolo, I don't want to yeah, look at Brock, him. Yeah, Brock Purdy does not inspire a great deal of confidence. He's uh, he's not very good. And he is, to be fair, Mr. Irrelevant, and he's... Sure, he's and he's been Stetson-like be in yeah. his ability to, like, right. at, so, the yeah. end of, so, at the end of a game, make it happen, right? Uh, right, when he absolutely needs to. But up until so, that point, he's not very good. Right, uh, but relative to where he was, like, he's doing pretty well. I mean, yeah, yeah, like relative a, to no, himself, absolutely. He's not a he's Super no, Bowl-winning quarterback. He's uh, no number one overall pick to golf. You know. oh. <laughs> right. Anyway, in this game... You have not a lot happening, and then all of a sudden, a bunch of things happen where there's like there's like big plays in either direction consecutively, including this one Packers. I think it was a punt return. I think it was. Uh, but been it, a kickoff it might have been a kickoff Whatever. return. But the guy comes flying down the field, and it's like a sixty or seventy yard return, and which gets was awesome on its own. Right, which was great on its own, and then he gets tackled from behind, and the ball gets punched out, and takes like one giant bounce on the turf, and this other. Packers player comes flying up behind the play and like like three and a half feet off the ground tackles the ball to the ground. It's and the most it's the best thing I've seen. You so rarely see that successfully executed because the ball is bouncing crazy everywhere and the chances that you're going to run into it at full speed and secure it as you then fall into the ground are very low. Right. Uh, so you don't see that very often. And so I was showing the boy the highlights the next day and he's like, oh, get the ball, fumble! Because <laughs> he's a little uh, 11-year-old dweeb. And like before he could even get it out of his mouth, the play had been successfully recovered. Lori is right to point it out. It was a tremendous recovery by that Packers player. Like, I am so sore from falling down (laughs) one time. And that guy just threw himself out into space and caught a football and then landed just as hard on the ground. And he's way bigger than me. I don't know why these people do this. What uh, commitment? Literally for millions yes. of dollars. <laughs> they and... don't start off doing it for millions of dollars, though. Because uh, it's awesome, and it's fun. And if you're really good at it, it's My even more awesome and fun. Hurts. Uh, anyway, the Packers end up falling to the 49ers. 
not surprisingly in the abstract, but it was an exciting game, certainly. The, uh, uh, their, their head coach, Shanahan, he had the, the, he had this ridiculous record of like being over like 30-some-odd games where mm. whenever his team is trailing going to the fourth quarter, he's never able – he has not been able to overcome that deficit. Like he's like oh for something. And this was the first game where he overcame it. So maybe that's a positive development for Shanahan's uh, 49ers. He's not going to – His quarterback is still uh, Brock Purdy though, right? <laughs> yeah, but now I feel like because you've talked shit about him and compared him to Stetson Bennett, who you said could not win one – not uh, two. You said he couldn't win one championship, and then you said he couldn't win two. Now you're saying Brock Purdy. I don't think I ever said. I don't think I ever said that he can't win two after he had done that. You may have said we're not going to win a championship with Stetson Bennett at quarterback. Oh, I did. I I absolutely probably when when we were. So I don't see how that's any different from the thing I said just now. JT McPoyle Daniels. Okay. uh, Was was riding the pine. I was. If I were a person who bets, I'd bet on the Forty Niners at this point. Look here, people. Stetson Bennett is not a championship winning quarterback. Get him out of there. Uh, and I was wrong. I am You're so happy twice. that I was wrong about that. You were wrong that. about him twice. Oh. Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett was wrong about himself <laughs> as well, as as revealed by the, the faces that he made uh, when we ended up winning. Uh, Not twice. The first time, maybe. Anyway, the thing we need to avoid as a country is a red-on-red Super Bowl. I see. Like it's this is going to be a real big problem. That's fucking boring. Did we, did so we have that? One of did, these the, red did teams. Did the Niners play the Chiefs like a couple of seasons ago, or is that has that not no? Happened? They almost okay. did. The Forty ers are lost to the Chiefs oh, yeah. in Super Bowl Fifty Four. It was the COVID. Yeah, it was so pre-COVID. Oh, full that was of like, shit. Uh, it was before I made cake pops, but it, that's too much red. Uh, that's a bullshit complaint, and uh, 49ers Chiefs would be totally fine. But Todd Monken could win a Super Bowl. Yeah, but then, like, I don't care for Baltimore as a general rule. Like, I, I sort of like— And Roquan Smith could win yeah, a I Super Bowl. Yeah, I love Roquan Smith, and I like uh, Lamar Jackson enough. So but... do you, how much do you love them, though? I mean, I don't not care very for Baltimore. much. You don't have any strong rooting interest in these final four teams, so why not root for, like— the, the coordinator he, and uh, he's so full of yeah. hatred and misery or maybe you have a sore spot for uh, jared goff is that what it is uh, the lions run you're in i think it would be really funny for jared goff to win a super bowl because jared goff's not a good quarterback either and like to me that would it would just be funny if <laughs> and jared goff almost lost like if not for maker bayfield throwing a terrible pick at the end of that game yes. They could have been on their way as well. The the Bucks kept that game surprisingly yeah, close, which makes the me whole time. Yeah, I think what, makes me a little bit nervous about the Lions' chances against the 49ers. Although I think a seven point spread is too much. It doesn't. It doesn't seem like the 49ers are that much better than the Lions are. But they are better than the Lions, and so they should be able to sure. beat them. And they got their bad game out of their way. You know, you're always going to get a underperforming kind of game. So we'll see. It's interesting that there was only one like lopsided game, right? The Texans uh, did not do too well against the Ravens, but every other game. Yeah, that's was... the one. That's the one we didn't. We caught the least yeah. of. We didn't well, see didn't hardly any of that like game. This... Yeah. The Ravens, that rushing attack is pretty good. I don't know what Munkin and I don't know what's going on, but like that team is pretty solid. They just run the ball. Yeah. So we've got the Lions going to San Francisco uh, as seven point underdogs, and then the Chiefs go to Baltimore as three point underdogs. Who you got? 
in the championship game, Abe? I, I think uh, you know these these uh, Chiefs. Uh, they just kind of just always hanging around. Like you think that I think Baltimore is a better team, but the Chiefs are going to find a way in. I'm not. I'm not like the the online people who are like uh, coming up with these conspiracy theories. How the NFL wants Taylor Swift to be in the Super Bowl. And so they're going to get some. So we have we have competing conspiracy theories this year because we have the this is all an op to get us more Taylor Swift content in our lives. uh, One side of the conspiracy theory and then the logo color conspiracy theory as 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 promulgated by uh, Aaron Rodgers, among plenty of others. I believe the Taylor Swift one. What was that? I forgot what it was. What was the. The color thing. So they, if you if it you doesn't work. Google up the Super Bowl logo, the official NFL Super Bowl logo year by year, you will see that different colors are highlighted. Many different colors. Right. So there's just so many. It's just like a fertile ground to make bullshit up. Like to, to like there's like so many colors. Yeah, to it's say. sort of like reading a horoscope. Yeah. Okay. It's like look how the colors. Like yeah, that's. <laughs> That's like seven colors, so there are two different ones that are featured. All right, if you look at the Super Bowl uh, 58 logo okay. this year, it is very oh, much Ravens are making- uh, pink and purple. Purple and pinkish red. No, 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 no. Th- see, this is, okay, I am a colorist for my job. All right. That is pink. Okay, but if we, there aren't any goddamn NFL teams with pink in their No, there are design. not. You're right. If you go back to Super Bowl 52, we had the Eagles against the Chiefs. The logo released a full year before the game had both strong green and strong red aspects okay. to it. Light green, a, okay. a sort of light teal, right. red I'm, and purple. Lori, we're not here to uh, uh, straw man the goddamn conspiracy theory. We're here to steal yes, man we, the conspiracy that's I, theory. That's what I came to do tonight. If you go look at 51. A lot of pink, yellow. Bengals? Uh, the Rams and the Bengals okay. uh, faced off in Super Bowl well, like 51. The Rams, you know, the Rams, in, like the Rams yellow is what that you was, think of. Uh, predominantly orange and yellow. So uh, it, it has happened in the past where the logo for the Super Bowl ends up relating to the colors of the teams who are playing at it. Yes, in part because there are only so many colors and they keep making these Super Bowl logos look like sunsets in some yeah, way which really what it is. lends itself to uh, a certain color palette which happens to coincide with a, a bunch of these other uh, teams that have gotten in and if uh, i'll make sure there's a link in the show note to uh, an explication of the of this conspiracy theory it's obviously uh, bullshit but uh, Wait, for can, what it's before, worth the super bowl uh, before you move on can you uh, i just saw somewhere where they eliminated the colts from being a part of this where are the colts at where are they at i don't see them this is outrageous Right, so the Colts don't have any colors in the Sunset Color Colts, family. Eagles right? and Jets are the only three blue. teams that don't fit. Hmm. Right. You got to wait for a year that the Super Bowl logo does not have a Sunset Color scheme, and then maybe the Colts can sneak That's in. That's what's been holding the Colts back. Yes. The funny thing in particular about it is like, why in the world would you pick the Kansas City Chiefs? As your like, this is a Midwestern small market situation, right? Taylor like, Swift. get the Chargers or the or the the Giants and the Jets involved in your conspiracy theory, and maybe I'll believe right. you. Go to the big cities. Anyway, 
setting aside that uh, competing conspiracy theory nonsense, we have, it sounds like you think it's going to be Chiefs against uh, the 49ers. Right. Yeah. Chiefs against 49ers. Although it'd be uh, another interesting, you know, like the season began Chiefs lines. It could also end that way, but I do think the Niners are going to make it in. Yeah. I would, I think my preferred Super Bowl to watch is probably Chiefs Lions, just in terms of the, because you'd have the long storied franchise of the the Lions who've never won a goddamn thing, going for their first Super Bowl victory, their first appearance, yeah, I believe, that, that but also their if, first victory. If, I mean, it would be great if they made it. That the story would be that they made it, uh, the Lions. But like Mahomes beating the Lions and then also beating Buffalo, it's just like the poverty franchise teams that he's just killing. It's, it, it would be terrible. I go back to the thing that happens for cities, though. Michigan won the national championship. It would only oh, make sense. Oh, very fitting. It happens so much. All right. Plenty of news has happened in relation to the... Is it news, though? ...presidential primary season. Over the weekend, we had, uh, after Ron DeSantis had such a tremendous success in Iowa and finishing second place, he said, we're excited to continue on. And we're going to go and and uh, uh, keep fighting the good fight. And then like three days later, he was out uh, with nothing materially having changed. In a news dump uh, kind of release, right? Like during divisional round NFL weekend. Right. I was I was dicking around on Twitter watching the football games on Saturday night. And I get the first word that Ron DeSantis has canceled his appearances on the Sunday shows for Sunday morning. Uh, he's he's skipping a previously scheduled appearance on Meet the Press and and one other one I believe, and so of course Twitter was all a flutter with uh, the potential that he was about to drop out, and they go and they ask all of the Ron DeSantis campaign people like ah oh, what's the the what's the score here uh, Team DeSantis is is Ron about to drop out. Ah, don't be ridiculous. We just had a change of we just had a change of scheduling and we are headed back to Florida a day earlier than we thought we were because of uh this reason and that reason. Uh but we're going to continue fighting the good fight, obviously, and how dare you suggest otherwise. And then uh just a couple of hours later, uh DeSantis announces that he is dropping out of the race and endorsing the man who suggested just in the last calendar year or in the in the last 12 months that he might be a closeted homosexual pedophile who was grooming school children Ron DeSantis said that uh, that guy is who he wants to be the next president of the United States uh, the guy who called him Meatball Ron and apparently privately considered calling him Tiny D oh, because right. of his stature and the potential reference uh, that the public would make to the man's genitalia. And also uh, referred to him as Rob, which was my personal favorite nickname <laughs> for Ron DeSantis. And possibly the closest I've ever felt – like I, I – granted, uh, I will acknowledge I think that Trump can be hilarious, like legitimately – I laugh at him, yeah. not not always with him, but sometimes also like he says something that's just so outrageous and preposterous and and just downright funny that I laugh like I get a big, great, big fucking kick out of it. Uh, but when I found out that he was considering just calling Ron DeSantis <laughs> Rob from now on, I was I was rooting so hard for that to be the nickname that you settle on because it's so disrespectful yeah. in a way that is like it's like profoundly disrespectful in a way that I find 
possibly the most hilarious because it, it in the old days at, at Domino's we would just make up names for people and just that would be their name as though they it was they, often racist they weren't a person uh, I wasn't often racist I disagree Diego all right so Diego's real name was Armando okay if we just called him Steve. That would be robbing him of his culture in a way that was not acceptable, right? So you have to come up with another uh, Hispanic-sounding name. So instead of Armando, Armando was Diego, in part because we had a, a little cartoon printout of the cartoon character from Dora the Explorer, uh, whose who's, uh, little brother or something was named Diego. And so there was a printout of, of Diego on a tricycle, and we put it on the boys' room because it said, Go Diego, go, uh, as, as little Diego was uh, riding his little tricycle down the sidewalk. Not Somehow not racist. Which was is a very very funny uh, thing. It's not to, racist because it's funny. To replace oh. the to replace the men's room sign with a sign that says "Go Diego, go." <laughs> if you don't see the humor in that, you got to get yourself checked out. It was very funny. Anyway, so uh, Armando was Diego, and the first supervisor's name was Jackie. She, oh, I think her name was Jackie. And then we got another supervisor whose name was yeah, Rebecca, who we just called Jackie too, yeah. because, because because she was the new Jackie. So Rebecca became Jackie. Uh, other somebody else was just we called him Mitch uh, for no particular reason. Anyway, the point is that everybody had their own name that didn't necessarily relate to. Right. Their actual name, but in some way revealed something about their character uh, in a way not that racist, was, though. Not certainly not racist. <laughs> that was meaningful to the rest of us. Uh, and it was fun. It was a good. It's a good bit to call people by a name that is not their own. Do you think that uh, Trump must have tried this like with a crowd, and it probably just didn't play well, right? Or was it just like I- it's a bit. It is a bit not intellectual exactly, but there's something heady about it right. where you have to you have to be in in the right thinking space to understand why it's so funny <laughs> to call Ron DeSantis <laughs> Rob, uh, which is like I, like Lance Kiffin. Uh, just calling Lane Kiffin Lance Kiffin is hilarious. It, it's it's hard to put into words. You can't explain it to a layman. The layman is just like what? Right. What the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. The man's name is Lane. Why would you call him Lance? That's not funny. So. Okay, well, you don't get it. That's fine. But uh, I was really hoping that Donald Trump would uh, would call Ron DeSantis Rob for the duration. Uh, sadly, he went with Ron DeSanctimonious, which to me, uh, too much of a mouthful, very yeah, awkward and silly. Yeah. I think like an And also half, so half the audience doesn't even know what sanctimonious right. means. Yeah, that, Bob, that's – you don't know. You uh, might. No, that's they're, a, they're very fine people. That's an SAT word. That's a, that's like a junior year in high school kind of word. Uh, Aaron Murray's buddy on the podcast also likes lazy nicknames. I think of you every time. It's also yeah, a it's weird. Great. It's a weird charge that he's making to somebody whose entire political scheme is to model himself after Trump, right? So it's like it's a weird thing to say about yeah. somebody who just wants to be like. Like you, so it's, it's. I don't know. It just never really stuck. It's kind of amusing, but it never really stuck. I thought for sure that Ted Cruz would be the ongoing immortal example of someone. I mean, cucked. Cucked is an unfortunate uh, turn of phrase in the in the modern parlance, of course. Uh, so that won't be the word that I choose here. But 
Donald Trump called Ted Cruz's wife hideous, yes. like like put a picture of Ted Cruz's wife, a very unflattering picture of a, a perfectly normal looking woman right. uh, who happened to be photographed making a very awful face. And he put that up next to his off-brand Playboy model of a wife and, and said, I mean, just look at them, right? right? Like, uh, here's this one awful, ugly cow. And then, or you could have this as your first lady. What, what would you choose? Uh, so he, he called the, the man's wife ugly. He said that the man's father uh, was possibly <laughs> right. involved in the assassination of John F. Kennedy <laughs> and suggested that he probably wasn't eligible anyway right. to be president of the United States based on his, the circumstances of his birth. And then Ted Cruz, who at the Republican convention in 2016 got up there and gave a lengthy speech in which he refused to endorse the man and instead told the gathered Republican masses to vote your conscience. That's right. Uh, yes. <laughs> this is the man who turns around and is just a full-throated uh, Trump supporter moving forward, right? I thought that Ted Cruz would be the immortal example of the man who is so thoroughly whipped by Trump, uh, abused and insulted and bullied lead in such a fashion that, that he comes to heal. I think it might be DeSantis now, because uh, Trump was equally merciless oh, yes. on, on the DeSantis question, including especially the whole thing where his, he's, he's tweeting on his truth social thing about how he might be a groomer, uh, a possibly homosexual pedophile groomer of children uh, who he was charged with teaching. Uh, or, or being in charge of in some fashion. And now Ron DeSantis is like, yeah, that guy should probably be the president. That sounds good well, to me. Although at, at this point, um, at least from what I've read so far, maybe this will change down the road. And I think it will once uh, DeSantis gets over his uh, embarrassing, accumulating defeat. Um, but I don't think they have spoken. Like, I, I mean, he, he endorsed Trump by through his uh, announcement. But, like, I don't think they've spoken and, like, they've had – Tim Scott and your boy Burgum, they and Vivek were there in New Hampshire to rally around Trump, right? After they got out of the race. Right. All of them all of them seemingly hoping to secure some sort Something. of a role in a future Trump administration. I'm not sure any of them make sense as a vice presidential pick, which not, is what we're we're, I, ex, we're expected to believe that there's there's a veep stakes that's happening. Uh, that includes Ron DeSantis and Tim Scott and Vivek and and maybe even Bergam, but I don't see but it. But the thing is, you know, there are other cushy uh, posts available because tr if Trump were to come back in and he's the 47th president, uh, he went through waves of competent Republican, like, uh, the uh, cabinet-level people, right? So they don't have any of those. They, they, he burned through all of those people, so why not – Vivek for Department of whatever, uh, Treasury or just just whatever. Like all of these spots are going to be available. A lot of cushy spots will be available. And so it's not just the vice presidency that people are chasing. There are all these other right. spots that they can also get. So that's it would be it would behoove DeSantis to kind of get over all of the embarrassment and, and sure i don't think i don't think desantis takes a job in the administration though he's going to be the governor of florida for what two, two more, more years, years after and this the, yeah, and then it presumably he's going to want to run for the presidency in 
2028 as well. And that's a clean year, right? Because basically, no matter what happens this election, neither Biden or... Unless Trump just kind of takes over the whole thing. (laughs) Yeah, you never fucking know. Outside of that chance or, you know, but then we'll have bigger problems than what DeSantis is going to do, right? Uh, But like... That right. will be the- well, and also for what it's worth, whenever you hear somebody talking about DeSantis as vice president, it doesn't make sense because there's that weird yeah, quirk the same in state the thing. Yeah. electoral college where it's not unallowed that you can't have a president and vice president from the same state, but the electors of that state cannot vote for the pair as a group if they're both from that state like it it's it's very strange so the the bottom line is that if donald trump and another floridian and it would be hard for either one of them at this point to claim to be from somewhere yeah, like else i live in the gulf Shores of alabama what are you talking about i'm not from florida what? right like given mar-a-lago yeah. and given the fact that DeSantis is the the governor of the state <laughs> it would be hard for him to change put a change of address in for for saint simon's island or something but if that were the case, if they were to be elected president by the Electoral College, the electors of Florida would not be constitutionally permitted from casting their electoral votes for the Trump-DeSantis ticket in a weird way. So they would be seeding those, whatever it is, 25 or whatever, right. Electoral College votes from Florida, which obviously they can't really afford to do. Yeah, so they would need to uh, clear – like unless they had like a blowout win where they could afford the Florida – of electoral votes, right? Like if they won by like 300 right. plus versus like you know, kind of like the actually could they even deal with the Hillary us uh, outcome? I don't think so. Like they would need like maybe one more state, uh, right? Than they had in 2016, and you wouldn't want to risk it because it's going to be a close race. So, like you wouldn't want right. to just. Risk and this also this almost this came up in 2000 with uh, Bush and Cheney because Cheney was officially a Texan until. He registered. He got his driver's license transferred to uh, Wyoming, right. where he was once a, a congressperson four days before the election, or something like that. So he was officially. Why do you keep saying DeSantis? That's how you're supposed to say it. It's DeSantis. Who says? Says Ron DeSantis. He I has. Don't think pr- I give a shit what he thinks. He has pronounced it himself in both ways, but when confronted with the direct question, "Is your name Ron DeSantis or Ron DeSantis?" he answered it as "It's Ron DeSantis." But sometimes he even slips and says "Ron DeSantis." Okay. But I've tried to make an effort to say "Ron DeSantis" instead. No, you're giving him more respect than he deserves. Uh, I mean, I have no problem saying the last name correctly as long as we can also call him Rob. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We can anyway, do whatever we want. Uh, to continue the conversation about the primary, we have, as you said, Tim Scott then goes to New Hampshire and endorses Trump. Everybody seemingly dumping on Nikki Haley here at the last possible minute, with the exception of Chris Christie, who kept his trap shut and didn't endorse anybody still. And the governor of New Hampshire, Chris Sununu, who made a big push to try to get uh, Nikki Haley to victory. And it appears to have had at least some impact. This race is closer tonight than I would have uh, predicted. I thought, given that the polling averages had Trump at like 55 and Haley at about 37 or 38, that the departure of DeSantis from the race would have given Trump a little bit even more of a bump and push him closer to 60. It doesn't look like he's going to get there. That is based on the current returns. He's going to be maybe. I'm pulling up the needle now. It seems like it'll be 
Trump by 11. So like 55-45 or 56-45, something like that, or 56-44, depending on how this right, So not quite single digits, maybe 11%, yeah. as you're saying. Haley came out right after they called it for Trump and declared victory, basically, declaring the result a great win for herself. And that was it at the moment that it was it was still a single-digit lead sure. for Trump, so she could sort of massage. You know what's weird, Bob, to, to your point, like a lot of the polls had Trump in that 55, you know, between 50 and 60, right? Like, And then like uh, Haley was like in the 30s. And with DeSantis and all the other outstanding possible candidates like they have all cleared the field and you would think even if it broke 50 50 right like all the other votes like that would put trump into the 60 percent around that 60 percent mark right it'll be 60 40 but instead you have haley that's going to be around 40 45 percent 45 percent which is better than i thought she was gonna do i thought she was gonna be like right around 40 percent so, right, and better than she was polling at any point uh, through this process, with the exception of a couple of outliers in New Hampshire. But I think what you're getting at here is that Trump appears to have a harder ceiling than he's ever had before if this New Hampshire result is anything to go by. I don't see – I don't know – understand how. I don't understand how – Well, basically, you know, so we, ha- we have two candidates who are more or less both incumbents, right? So like on the Republican side, you have Trump who – his voters think he never lost, or at least they're pretending he didn't lose. And he's got the momentum of an incumbent. And he's like, he like Iowa was like around fifty percent. He'll be around fifty five percent here. If he's constantly just like a little bit over half, per, you know, like half of the total votes, he's not winning as dominantly for somebody with his name recognition and dominant, you know, presence, right? So like he yeah, but he's still winning. He's still winning, and he will win. Like basically, Haley's got really no shot. At this point, what is she happy? What is she declaring victory of? Just being close in yeah, New Hampshire, close, she's going to then, consider because I mean it's just two states. But like, if the trend continues, then she's going to lose. But maybe she's like, maybe people will, like will get cold feet at some point by Super Tuesday. Something else will change. I don't know. But like, it's this is also this is also about a maximum like fifty four forty four something like that is her ceiling in her own state as well, which is the next major contest right right like she's not going she's not going to keep him from a majority in south carolina which is weird so he will have won the first three major contests uh with a majority of the vote it's going to become an increasingly weird thing for her to stay in it because the only way that she can it remains the same fact that the only way that she can actually overtake him is with some weird exogenous event happening, right. is with a, a, a medical event or, or the federal government or the courts stepping in and, and declaring something about Donald Trump's candidacy. It's not clear to me what she's doing. Now, is it going to be a DeSantis repeat where he left Iowa claiming victory and suggesting, man, what a great job we've done so far, and I can't wait to continue the fight elsewhere. Is she doing that here tonight so that she can give up before the South Carolina primary in a couple of weeks? I don't think so, because since she's the last one, I mean, it's possible that she can do as you described, but like she got 40 plus percent in a head to head. She's not going to win the race. She's going to face calls from her side that she's just in it to hurt him at this point, right? Because if your path is foreclosed, right, there's no path to win. Even if you're, the margins are, maybe you can claim some moral victory that you want, you lost by 10 instead of 
by 20, but you're still losing these uh, races, at some point you're going to start hurting the presumptive nominee because you're going to get to states where it's an open primary. Biden situation will be resolved. I mean, he, he was a write-in candidate because of the goofy reshuffling of the calendar on the Democrat side. But he, if you combine the write-ins and actually Biden, he's like at 70%. You know, like he's 70% compared to Dean Phillips who's at 20, 21%, right? Which, uh, for the record, historically is a, is a pretty big number for an incumbent president to face a challenger in his own party and have that challenger. I mean, it's not, it's not uh, Ted Kennedy numbers. Right. Uh, against Carter, but it's a it's a pretty strong showing for a no uh, an effectively no name senator from Min- or not senator even a no name congressman from Minnesota, who nobody had heard of right. uh, that, until six months ago. That, that is true, but I think that the, the unusual nature of this particular race, where it's like it, they're not counting it because they're even though their state law says that they need to go first, they're not first according to the Democratic National Committee. So, like, right. if he's getting 20% in South Carolina and uh, the other state in Nevada and whatnot, then it will be a concern. But I think this is just a weird outlier situation. Uh, I think, like, there won't be an issue on Biden's side, but there will, if Haley sticks around, you're going to have people who can vote in the Republican primary, even though they're not Republicans, come and try to spoil things to hurt Trump. Right. So what's but what she's doing is trying to establish herself as the only rational al- alternative if something happens to Trump, right? right? She doesn't want to get to convention. Uh Trump has a stroke or a, otherwise has some sort of strange uh heart attack or cardiac event and is no longer capable of being the the standard bearer for the Republicans. She doesn't want to be in a situation where she dropped out at the same time as everybody yeah. else did. And only accumulated eight more electors in the uh, over, over Ron DeSantis and over a couple of the other dweebs, right? right? If if she sticks in through Super Tuesday, uh, maybe she collects a couple of hundred delegates and she can make a strong case at the Republican convention. And she's a clear in, alternative. Yeah, she's a clear. In the event that Trump is dead or or otherwise incapable of going, she's the one who has the rightful claim to the throne. Right. And, yeah, if she sticks in for another month, I think that that's a fairly persuasive and, argument. And also there really isn't – like this is such an unusual election cycle because like Trump didn't participate in any debates. It didn't hurt him one bit. Like he didn't do any of the – like I'm going to go to every county in Iowa, all that nonsense that other people do because they're, they're trying to grovel for votes. He basically just like, fuck it. I'm, you know who I am. Vote for me. Fuck off. Right? And then people did. Right. Like Haley didn't – I mean, she didn't. She's not going to debate anybody, right? Because Trump doesn't want to debate her. There's not going to be any debate prep that she needs to do. There's all this money that's coming in against Trump. Like on the Republican side, there's still like a very significant portion of that party. Do we think that's going to continue to go to Haley, or is that now going to shift to a potential third party situation, the no labels thing, or the or a challenger, or maybe they they seek to to fund uh, Marianne Williamson uh, as a third party. I mean, if you run, can't make it work a, with Haley, you're not going to make it work with Williamson. No, but now at at this point, all you're trying to do is is fund. So no labels is the is the one that you would expect would be able to pull because RFK Jr. is going to be on a great number of ballots. He, he might not be on fifty states ballots in. November, but it's going to be more than a couple of dozen states where he qualifies for the ballot. I think Cornell West is going to probably be on 45 or 50 states ballots. 
was he running? Is, is he the Green Party candidate, or is, it, is he running as something else? Oh, I'm not sure. It, it, he's, I thought he was running just some random... He might be running as an independent. I don't know. But he's going to be on a bunch of ballots. And then there's the Green Party option. I mean, Jill Stein, of all people, Jill Stein got a not insignificant percentage of the vote. We're looking at—and I, I keep joking about our prediction show. We're going to do a prediction show at some point. I don't know if it's going to be—it's not going to be today because we talked about all the skiing and stuff. But uh, Corey wrote in, God bless you, Corey. I can now say again, in every week that we have had the capability of having paying subscribers, we've added a new paying Let's subscriber, including this week. Shout is out it, who is it? to Corey. Oh, was he not already? Uh, I don't think we've talked about Thousand it on the man, show before. Your dad. Thousand Man, my old man, and then ah, uh, Corey okay. now. Corey's great. So welcome to the fold. Corey, thank you. Uh, he both subscribed to the Substack, uh, became a paying subscriber, and then also sent me an email in which he complained about the fact that we have not yet done a <laughs> predictions show for this year, uh, which uh, you have my apologies. We'll get to it maybe next week. Uh, we'll, we'll do the official prediction show. But in 2016, uh, Donald Trump won the presidency with, was it 46% of the popular vote? Yep. Uh, I believe. Yeah, it was 48, then, 46. Yeah, because Hillary had 48%. Uh, Trump had 46%, but wins the Electoral College. Bill Clinton in 1992, I believe, won the presidency with something like 42% yes, of, because of, of the popular Perot vote. Was like what, 19, 20%? Right. Was it 1920 or was it like 17? Either it way, was, it, was some, a, it was yeah, a significant. It was a significant percentage. But it wasn't less than anyone else. No, no, no. I'm not I'm not, this is not an argument about majority versus electoral I know. college. It just needed to be said. It wasn't less than anyone else running for president that In 19, year. Right. I'm not disclaiming the legitimacy of I the know. 1992 presidential election. I'm saying that that's an example of one of the lowest popular vote totals that ended up putting a person into the presidency. I think Abraham Lincoln got sub 40% of the popular vote. I have to go back and double check that. I've been arguing with the robots about electoral history because it will not give me information anytime <laughs> it thinks it anytime it thinks I'm trying to trick it into talking about an election the robot is like uh I I feel very uncomfortable talking about elections please just go to google please uh, just ask someone why else is your, Don't why ask. is your robot so skittish like I I mean I've had I, unless I ask my robot very like specific like how do i harm somebody like it usually will give me an answer it's not like oh this is amazing bob no ask you intimidate even the robot (laughs) you are that judgmental and terrible that the robot doesn't even want to engage with you abe i want you you have google access to google bard correct Uh, i think so yes i want you to pull up a tab with google bard in it okay and I want you to ask it the following question. All right. Let's go. All right. What are, what I'll are, ask it too. Which president in American history received the smallest percentage of the popular vote? The reaction that I get to that question is elections are a complex topic with mm-hmm. fast-changing information. To make sure you have the latest and most accurate info, try Google search. Yeah, I have that too. I got the same thing. Yeah. 
this is a this is bullshit. I'm asking a, a question of historical fact to a computer that has access to all of this information. <laughs> Uh, and and when I try to Google that exact question, I continually get uh, search returns that try to point me towards instances in which the popular vote failed to produce a winner, and instead the loser of the popular vote ended up winning the Electoral College. Meaning what I want is a list of uh, percentage of popular vote by successful presidency, apparently is a difficult thing to return at least in the way that I'm wording the search, and the goddamn robot will not respond to me because it's so nervous about providing election disinformation or something like that. So uh, and they're all this way. I uh, I followed up that question, and you know the generic answer that we all got. I said, I insist. That's all I said. <laughs> <laughs> and it said, I apologize for my previous hesitation. And technically, it's John Quincy Adams in 1824. He won with 30.9% of the popular vote, the lowest since popular vote data has been consistently recorded. However, I tried. You said, I insist. I said, I'm not asking about elections. I'm talking about uh, a question of historical fact. Yeah, you're being an asshole. And it said, elections are a complex topic with fast changing information. (laughs) Like, no, you fucking asshole. Uh, all right, so it's John Quincy Adams. You've got to go all the way back to then. He got 30% of the Although, popular vote. He oh, also lost – sorry, go ahead. And he, gave, he had a little qualifier for that. Like he had to win it through the House of Representatives after right. no candidate secured a majority. Right, because n- nobody secured a majority of the electoral votes. Right. Abe Lincoln received uh, no votes out of the South in the election in 1860, I believe, and so he got a, a relatively paltry – percentage of the popular vote. I believe it was less than 40%. By the way, uh, 1992, Bill Clinton, 43%. George H.W. was 37.5%. And Ross Perot at 19%. 19% net to zero electoral votes. Isn't that something? Right, because you've got to win yeah. You've yeah, got state. to win a plurality yeah. in some state or else it's not going to count, right? right. Uh, because we only have two states in the country who award electors proportional uh, or award or split up their electoral votes, right? Nebraska, Nebraska and, and uh, New Hampshire, right? Doesn't, don't they have a district? Yeah. Is it New Hampshire or is it Maine? Or it's maybe New it's Hampshire. Maine, the yeah, second district of Maine. Yeah. I think it's Maine. Maine? Um, anyway, in 1860, Lincoln won uh, with 39.8% of the popular vote, over 18% for Breckenridge and uh, less than that. Or no, <laughs> uh, uh, Douglas won 29.5% of the of the vote. Did the Civil Otherwise. War start right after that? <laughs> yeah, and then and then the Civil War <laughs> started. Uh, repeat of that. <laughs> I think that the 1860 election is a good model for how the percentages are going to break out this year. Again, I'm not uh, this is a preview of our uh, prediction show, but I expect that I will predict that the winner of the presidency this year will not have a popular vote total that exceeds Bill Clinton's in oh, wow. that in is, 1992. I uh, which I just, is a 
It's a bold prediction, and I'm, I'm pegging it to a very specific number that I have to be either over or under from. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to do more research on this topic and, and, and firm up my prediction, but expect something like that. The problem is, like, who's the Ross Perot? I mean, like, uh, Bloomberg already blew his load the first go-around in 2020, right? So he's, he can't— You're not be- going to have a single Ross Perot. You're going to have a situation where, like in 1860, you have Lincoln against three significant challengers. They're going, you're going to have Trump and Biden. You're going to have someone like— Jill Stein, who's able to get like five or six or seven percent for the Green Party. You're going to have RFK, who's going to be on the ballot as an independent in dozens of states, who's going to secure an unfortunate number of popular votes. And then you're going to have people like Cornell West, who's also going to be on the ballot. And let's not leave out the possibility that a uh, Chris Christie and uh, Joe Manchin type of weird marriage happens for this no labels outfit that's going to try to put people on the ballot in 40 or 50 states as well and you you have exceeding you have extreme dissatisfaction with the top of the ticket on on both sides uh you have something like at least 25% of the people who still call themselves republicans are committed anti-Trumpers, which is a surprisingly high number, I think, that people would still insist on calling themselves Republicans low these many years later, even as Trump continues to dominate the party. Uh, so you've got extreme dissatisfaction on the Republican side, along with a, a, a hard floor of his support, it must be said. On the Democratic side, you have very soft support for Joe Biden, especially from the far left of the party, which he's lost a lot of what would have probably would have been a reluctant support, but for what's gone on uh, with regards to Israel since October 7th, where you watched his approval rating within the Democratic Party uh, take a significant hit simply because he's been such a staunch ally of Israel in the, in the wake of what happened uh, with Hamas on 10-7. So you've got that working against Biden's total. In addition to the fact that a bunch of independents are like, uh, they look at him and they think, you got to be fucking kidding me. That guy is uh, is an 81, 82-year-old guy who seems like 10 years older, right? And this is not being cruel. But- this is being honest with your uh, the way that you uh, engage with someone when they show up to talk with you in, uh, on the television. And, and yeah, you say what you want about the fact that uh, don't, uh, Biden's the line that he will be remembered by in history, if he's remembered at all, is his line about don't judge me against the almighty, judge me against the alternative, right? And yeah, that's that's our entire politics right now, right? right? That That's the, the entire thing is uh, is negative partisanship and saying, don't worry about anything that I actually stand for or, or how uh, great or awful I might myself be. You have to consider the fact that if not me, there but for the grace of God, right. uh, go, go we. Uh, it, it will be Trump. And uh, it's a fairly convincing argument, but I don't know that it inspires another 90 million people to show up and vote for you on Election Day, which might be what it takes to defeat Trump in 2024. So the, the issue with that is, you know, I'm hearing a lot of this, like this dissatisfaction, uh, and I believe it. I'm not discounting it. But I'm also seeing that the Republican primary process is already over, and it's not even February. Right. 
And then the Democratic side, you have a very weak, random candidate that's there, right? If, if there was a serious challenger, then there'd be a concern, right? So but both will- things are true. Both things are true. We have a system that is forcing us into a choice that the majority of the population doesn't actually want. Right, but both that's what things I'm saying. can okay, be so true. Just, just let me finish my point. So you have— how dare you? Two- How dare you suggest that I let you finish? What is this? Some, supposed to be some sort of dialogue, you piece of shit? So you have two unpopular candidates, and we've seen this before four years ago. And so instead of having all of these different candidates pop out, pop up, and like, you know, this person gets 5%, this person gets whatever, and it depresses the two major candidates to like below 43%, instead of that happening, what's going to happen is that people that are for Biden – and people that are against Trump are going to coalesce around Biden. And people that are for Trump and against Biden are going to coalesce around Trump. And you're going to end up having the 2020 election done again, but people have different motivations for the same outcome. It'll end up being around 49-50% Biden and 47-48% Trump. It's going to be something close to what we've always seen. So like, no matter all of the noise that's happened, people are going to decide like I'm going to I don't like one of the two candidates and I'm going to vote for a third candidate to express that it's not going to go anywhere right like cuz whatever people whatever uh, opinions they have about somebody that that's on their side they probably fear the other person even more so like even the non-trumper republicans they probably have a lot more misgivings about Biden right so like they will begrudgingly vote for Trump to prevent Biden from getting a second term and on the other side, no matter what people are saying now, the argument will be made is like you want even more Supreme Court seats lost. You want like uh, a nationwide ban on abortion. They're going to make these big – don't worry about Biden. Like you really want more of what happened like six – you know, eight years ago. Like – and people will eventually like begrudgingly vote the other way. So like I think those two votes are going to be like 99 percent of the vote share. Like, I don't think there'll be, like, some candidate that's going to come. I could be wrong, but, like, to me, I think people are going to coalesce around the two very unpopular candidates and end up somewhere similar to 2020. So 2020 was 51.3% for Biden, 46.85%. So 51.47, effectively, right. which which left uh, 1% to the Libertarians and a quarter of a percent to the Greens. That was a significant relatively significant, I should say, switch from the 2016 results, which saw Hillary take 48%, Trump take 46%, and then Gary Johnson of the Libertarians managed over 3%, and Jill Stein on the Greens ended up with over 1%. You had roughly 5% of the population decide to go third party. I think, as my prediction earlier, and I'll, I'll firm this up in the weeks to come, I think we're going to see something closer to twenty uh, percent as the as the wow. third party total. That, it'll be interesting to see if it gets up there. I just don't see it, but that'll be. I, I don't see. I don't see a single electoral they college better vote get on with it. going for anybody besides the top two. I don't. I don't think we're going to be in a situation where we don't have a majority because Michigan and Pennsylvania and Georgia somehow actually ended up. Uh, giving electoral votes to someone besides the Republicans or the Democrats, that seems out of the realm of possibility. But right. in terms of the popular vote, that's what I'm looking at. Uh, but who knows, obviously. It's 10-20 now. Uh, looking forward to the next month or so before we get to March 5th, which will be Super Tuesday, we will have contests in 
Nevada and South Carolina and I believe Michigan if if memory serves there's like half of the half of the Republican primary it, there's a weird situation in Michigan this year where it's like half caucus and half primary for some yeah. reason I don't know why do you what do you make of the fact that like like I, I wonder if this is contributing to the frustrations that most people have is that people don't even get a choice in the primaries right I mean like money in polling got the I don't know what 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 did we start with the Republican field like it was over ten like there were like eleven twelve candidates I forget how many we just after Iowa we were down to two and now after New Hampshire we're in effect down to one so before the big states or any real state has a say it's over and the irony here the irony here is that this is what I wanted like I wanted us to get down to a Trump and a non-Trump right. in the in the Republican field as quickly as possible. Right. I thought that was the only rational way to get to a non-Trump result. Does this give and, us the 2016 hypothetical as the answer? Like, if had the field cleared eight years ago? Except, except that Nikki is unwilling to do what even Ted Trump was willing to Ted do Cruz. in 2016. Right, sorry, what Ted Cruz was willing to do in 2016, which was to be in in the same way that Lindsey Graham was at the start of the 20 like in, in think of summer of 2015 right. when Lindsey Graham was appalled at the presence of Donald Trump in the Republican primary, right? Yeah. This was a person who who simply couldn't believe it and and who called him like a, a I think he said something like he's going to be the ruination of the Republican party <laughs> right. if if we make him our nominee. Uh, and I think he's right. I think his analysis in summer of 2015 and and I think before – I don't remember when Lindsay finally came around. I think it was uh, shortly before Iowa in 2016, but it, it doesn't matter. Ted Cruz was willing to full frontal assault on Donald Trump right. in a way that – Nikki Haley still simply is not. She'll poke at him about the fact that he confused her for Nancy Pelosi this week, uh, which was a weird moment where like three times in 45 seconds, Donald Trump says that Nikki Haley was uh, failed to be responsible for security on January 6th. Uh, it's a very awkward moment is, where he. What, what do you make of that, by the way? Is it just like just uh, just tired? He's an old man with yeah. a broken fucking brain. All women are the same. <laughs> no, he's an old man with a broken brain who might be halfway demented at this point, and we can't know. The same goes for 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 his competitor, uh, uh, Joe Biden. He keeps, to be fair, he keeps passing those tests. He keeps saying those five name words. You know, like he, he's up yeah. There. So she'll she'll tug on his coattails a little bit as far as that stuff goes. But in terms of a full frontal assault on Donald Trump, she's not going to make that, right? And that is what – like so, so I say that there's an irony here that we're getting what I wanted, which is a, a Trump versus one alternative candidate. And, and if I had to have had my pick ultimately a year ago or, or six months ago, I would have said – I kind of hope it's Nikki Haley because I think that she is a, a legitimate chance at actually beating him. The problem here being that she refuses to do the work of actually uh, potentially upsetting the Trump base right. by going full frontal against Trump. And it's it's just not going to happen otherwise. Which, which, uh, which makes this whole 2024 GOP feel like uh, an incoherent kind of argument to where like you're, you want to be the, the candidate and you have to beat – Trump, but so many avenues of attack are off the table because you can't 
criticize him for any impeachment or or for the way he handled the uh, transition and uh, the January 6th. Like, all of that stuff is off the table. Like, any other candidate, that would be fertile ground to, like, have attack at. But you can't because then you're giving credence to what the other side is saying right so like you can't right, we're to the, we're we're to the point now where if you as a republican on the national stage aren't willing to say that the people who are in jail for what they did on january 6th are hostages right. rather than prisoners righteously convicted criminals then you don't stand a chance in trump world right, right? like that's how insane the situation is and, and to the point where uh, both Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis in the last month said that they would pardon Donald Trump yes. if it came down to it. Right. Like, how are, how can you say that you're competing with this person <laughs> if you're going to say, I will pardon him on January 21st of 2025? Right. It makes like, no what, sense, yeah. Why are you even here? I mean, like, why not just go with a guy that's here instead of you? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Right. Uh, and and the reason to not go with the guy that's here is because, according to the best uh, polling on the issue, uh, Nikki Haley stands a better chance of defeating Joe Biden than right. Donald Trump does. Right. Uh, she actually, uh, uh, because of the way that she's able to pull in independence. Yeah, uh, but and, and she'll be a new person. You always have that, like, well, let's give this a chance, right? Or let's give this a try. Or any this person is young. You know, there's all of these arguments that you don't have when you just rehash the same two right so it's like right. and it, it's it, maybe it's just a symptom of me like uh, i'm sure i would be accused of not believing in anything but like i would be thrilled if nikki haley were the next president of the united states i am i am i disagree with her on on probably 90 percent of shit that she would want to do as president of the united states and relative to the reality of another four years of donald trump or a, a decrepit joe biden uh, where we rely on the administrative state of the Democratic Party to run the White House until the point where either he dies or it gets so awful that they have to 25th Amendment the dude. And then we just become uh, – then we've just voted for Kamala Harris to become the next president of the United States effectively. Right. Like to me, the alternative, uh, putting the, the arguably neocon uh, Nikki Haley in charge in the White House is preferable. And uh, and yeah, maybe you say that that means I don't believe in anything, but I think you're fucking out of your mind if, if uh, you think otherwise you'd rather uh, risk – uh, another Trump presidency by putting him up against Joe Biden. Right. The, uh, the, the, the unfortunate thing about that is that that reality just doesn't exist. Like all of the different multiverses that exist, there isn't one reality where Haley could win because if Haley were to somehow in an implausible scenario overtake Trump in the primary, Trump then becomes a, a like Ross Perot on steroids. Then he's the right. third candidate who's sucking up all of that, all those MAGA votes, and then like Haley's got no chance. And then you, right. then and that ha- that becomes that becomes a real sort of political black swan event where you just have no idea what the fuck is going to happen. But at that point, right? then you would have you know like uh, uh, Clinton won with forty three. Like I can see like by Biden went would like it would be like uh, the electoral map would be like mostly blue off like thirty seven percent because so many votes will go to Trump. It would be like twenty five percent. Uh, for uh, Trump, and then maybe like thirty percent for uh, what's her face. Uh, Haley, like it, it would just be like a very bad outcome for Haley if, if Trump is yeah. in the race because he has so many people that will vote for him no matter what. Yeah. All right. Anything else on electoral politics uh, tonight? Nope. No. All right. Let's do uh, quick Strassman. It's now time for America's favorite game show. 
did Mark Strassman, CBS News' senior national correspondent, get off a good one? This is going to be new to me and new to you because I pulled this up, but I never got the chance to uh, watch it and listen to it earlier because I had a PTO meeting tonight, which was obviously great fun. Shut up, Major Garrett. Give me a chance to share my screen first. Major Garrett has had an implausibly long career for a guy who's never been a number one anywhere. Yeah, but he's always there. He must have like an office, like at the stu- uh, like a home at the studio. It's like if somebody's out, just put me in, plug me in, I'll be fine. Mm, it's this about is a shrimp. This is a tremendous derp face that Major Garrett is making at the very start of this CBS video. Major Garrett, obviously not a number one, because a true number one would never have some CBS video intern uh, allowing this face to be the still at the start of the video. It's brutal. He must harbor a lot of resentment throughout his career. Like, I'm better than these bums, and I don't get no respect. Like, this is bullshit. CBS's Mark Strassman traveled to Charleston, South Carolina, and met fishermen just trying to stay afloat. Off South Carolina's coast... Rocky Magwood shrimps with a jumbo problem. It's worse right now than we've ever seen. Plummeting prices for his catch. Is this driving people out of business? Very much so. I mean, people are dropping like flies out of this business. The issue, imported cheap shrimp from Asia. Grown in pond farms like these, often subsidized by foreign governments. It's idled many of the state's roughly 300 shrimpers. I would love to be out there at least six days a week. And how many days are you on the water? Two to three now. Because there's no market? No market. In 2022, local shrimpers here got 573 per pound. Last year, 339 per pound, down more than 40%, which they say barely covers their costs. Patrick Rooney's restaurant serves only locally caught shrimp. He pays more because he says local shrimp tastes better. You could do cheaper. We could, we could, but uh, that's not what people want. What shrimpers here want, a U.S. tariff on foreign competition. You're a fourth-generation shrimper. Are you afraid that there won't be a fifth? I have a son that's five right now. He won't be able to do this the way it's going right now. There's no way. And you're not being melodramatic? No. It's, this is just the facts. To keep shrimping, first, they have to catch a break. For Eye on America, Mark Strassman, Shem Creek, South Carolina. That was good there. All right, we've got at the very start of the report, he says that the shrimpers have a jumbo problem, and then uh, if they're going to keep shrimping, they're going to have to first catch a break. Did Mark Strassman, CBS News' senior national news correspondent, get off a good one? Yes, he did. Strassman gets off a good one. Mark I give it I give it like a B minus effort, but we'll we'll call it a good one. Would it one. be a big deal if they did like uh, do this uh, protection racket uh, of of just like saying, "Hey, we're gonna Im- uh, tariffs tariffs don't work." Sorry, yeah. uh, just even in a work. localized kind of thing like this, like a, a sentimental kind of uh, industry, like shrimp. That's how it starts, Abe, and then we get uh, the entire. Great Plains of the United States living off of uh, the government teat for generation after generation. Targeted. Target. Look at that kid. You don't want that fifth generation kid to grow up 
to do. Fuck that dweeb. Learn to code, <laughs> fatty. The uh, robots will take over that. Robots can do the shrimp business. They can do. Coding. Have we? I don't. I haven't been watching the shrimp prices in the grocery store. Perhaps we don't eat anything good. Perhaps we should be buying more shrimp if the prices have uh, plummeted in such a fashion. We should be eating more fish for fuck's sake. It's good for us. Uh, all right. Well done, Strassman. It's now time for us to play the Billboard Hot 100 right. game. Hello again, everybody. Uh, roll the dice, and we will. Explore the degradation of the culture by comparing a popular song of today with a popular song of yesteryear. At some point, we're going to expand the Billboard Hot 100 game. Maybe like on uh, like uh, weeks of my parents' birthdays or something like that. We will we will further go with the first 29 years of their lives. No, we'll include that. In the Billboard Hot 100 like game, a three for, like three, to, to, like we compare three. Yes, go like three-way contest Ooh. to see what happens. Uh, but not today. Today we're just going uh, with spot number 75 on the Billboard Hot 100, and it's a high number here. It's number 28, 20, which will put us 2010 at 2010. Damn, this better not be another uh, Taylor Swift uh, edition. Seriously. All right, number 75. Uh, we'll have to scroll some. We have a new artist atop the Billboard Hot 100 this week. It is Ariana Grande oh. with Yes And, a song with which I am not familiar, believe it or not. This is a song that is its first week on the chart, and it's debuting at number one. What a tremendous accomplishment for the young Miss Grande. Scrolling and scrolling down to number... 75 takes us to, uh-oh, this song, uh, I've got to get closer to the screen like a true old to make sure I can sort out the numbers from the letters. Uh-oh. This is a song called Soak City, uh, which makes me nervous about the uh, potential content of the song. Uh, we don't have any child listeners except our own. The artist is 310 Babby or baby? It's the number, the numerals three one zero, and then like an B A uh, thing, like Miami or something. B A B I I, and the the name of the song is Soak City. So, Abe, Abe did you correctly identify the uh, area code as being from Miami? Well, I'm guessing it's an area code, and three something. I always think Miami. So I don't know. Let me see. Ask the robot and see if it tells you. Uh, no, sorry, I can't talk about such <laughs> if things. If it's shy about this. I mean, 305 is the only Miami that matters. Should we just listen to Pitbull for 15 minutes instead? Because <laughs> that'd be fun. Put me oh, in a so better mood. It says it's adjacent areas of L.A. Los Angeles Okay, County. 310 is L.A. County. According to the uh, YouTube popular part of the song, this song very much peaks in the middle, and then it just turns to shit. Oh. So I guess we'll see. How... Is that where the soaking happens halfway through? That's disgusting. Yes. I, I'm <laughs> mad at you. You picked a song. And also it's got do it. The fucking, the, I mean, the, 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 the whims the of fate picked the, the song. Fates. I didn't I pick the song. song. I know it's not a debauchery. How would you say that? 310 baby or babby? Or, I don't know. I'll ask someone young. Here it is making a splash. Not Soak City, USA. 
you a bad bitch, fuck it up, fuck it up. Freak bitch, you touch your toes like what? Like, huh? Till the summertime, you tryna have some fun. Get lit. If you a freak, do your shit, don't run. Don't do no running. <laughs> don't let your kids watch the video. Oh, it's just butts. No, it's sucks whatever that was there in the middle the the verse uh, displayed perhaps some amount of uh, uh skill not awful but not good you know this will be me uh complaining like a true old man at the corner or the barber shop or what have you i've never been able to cotton to uh mumblecore like the 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 mumbling that is yeah. very much the preferred mode of expression in modern rap. Yeah, it's what I was saying. It was making me feel very old. I don't like it. I prefer, uh, I, I believe I've expressed a great deal of admiration for Busta Rhymes on the program Who before. Who doesn't have a great deal of admiration for Busta Rhymes? Busta Rhymes <laughs> pronounces the many words that he speaks at a great yes. deal of speed. Uh, not that I can always figure out what it is that he's saying without going and looking them up, but then I can read along with the 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 thing and and see what it was that he was saying. There's a laziness to the way the Utes deploy the singing and the and the rapping these days. It shows up also, and we'll talk about True Detective here in a few minutes in the theme song for the True Detective season four, which is by Billie Eilish, she who yeah. barely is <laughs> just not even trying to enunciate anything that you're saying. And it's and it's all throughout. Open uh, your mouth. Seriously, open your fucking mouth when you talk, also, you bums. Bob. You mumble so much. That's how I feel like when I'm listening to you. When I ask you a question and you're like, raw, raw, raw. Oh, you should and listen then... to more of the morning press no. where I enunciate no. profusely no, I'm not and profoundly. To more of you talking. I want to listen to an improved you talking. Yeah. Uh... What Bob does, I ask him something or he says something and it sounds like blah, 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 blah. And then I say, what? And then he changes the thing. Like he says, a th- I assume that most people who, when they say what, they've actually heard the thing that you've said, but they're asking uh, for further clarification. No, and I so didn't understand you because use, you didn't open your fucking mouth. I use a simpler <laughs> vocabulary for, for the present company in order to hopefully make myself uh, better understood. Fun, but like, but what I want to know is what you actually said, and he doesn't do it. It's a it's just a complete lack of respect. All right. So we are looking for uh January 23rd of 2020 which was a or sorry, of 2010 which was a Saturday. So we're going to go with the Billboard Hot 100 for the 17th of January through the 23rd, which is a little bit awkward, but it includes the Super week. Super Bowl was a week earlier than so it all works out. I will present the tab here so that we can all enjoy this scroll down the list. We have 
Kesha at number one with nice. TikTok, which is the I wake up in the morning with a bottle of Jack song, I believe. Brush my teeth with a bottle of Jack. Right. Uh, Kesha and, and Lady Gaga there in the at number two. More Kesha at number... Blah. It was a weird time. Why did, why did Kesha become a thing? Because she's great. Uh, not great. Uh, Ludacris, Britney, Taylor Swift there. That You Belong With Me, I think we've... Have, have we had to deal with that song here in the past at so. some point? Although they're all the same. So, yeah. uh, wait, wait. You gla- glazed over someone very in the... My party in the USA is oh. is iconic. Also, Drake in the top 20. Lil Wayne, Lady Gaga again. More Kesha in the top 40. Holy shit. Boy, that was a big year for her. Kings yeah. of Leon, one of the first rock songs in the top 40 this week. And really only technically a rock song. Fucking Kings yeah, of Leon it? sucks. I don't, know. I don't know that I like that. Timbaland, Justin Bieber, Jason Aldean. Yeesh. Uncle no. Cracker. This is not a great time in popular music here as we get to no. the late, no, late in but our game. Better than now. Uh, we'll find out, won't we? Number 75 is by someone called Jake Owen. Oh, it's probably country. Who I've never heard of. I don't know. It's called Eight Second Ride by yeah, Jake Owen. Yeah, it's probably country. Is this uh, another sexual uh, uh, weird? some bull riding thing, right? Yeah. Ah, very. Yeah. Abe, you are on yeah. it tonight with your. It's eight seconds that they have to be on the thing, and it's probably country. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if he's going to put this into song. Maybe the song's eight seconds long. It didn't appear to get much more popular than this. It peaked at it, number 70, apparently. And it's trending downwards, yes. That, yeah, right. Is... We had some Snoop Dogg here, some Rob Thomas, uh, more Lifehouse. Good Lord. All right, I will now play... This other song. Oh, it's like a Florida country song. Come on! Like I said, hey, girl, what's oh, he your name? Haven't I seen you before? Yeah, I recognize them dark green eyes when you walk through. The door. He looks like a country uh, Trent Reznor. He looks a little bit like. Yeah. Stop it there. I will. I, I'm gonna. This is gonna be disgusting for me to have to uh, make the following argument. I think, <laughs> as an example of the thing that it is, Jake Owen Eight Second Ride is far superior to uh, uh, Three Ten Baby. I think uh, 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 Soak City. Soak what have you? City. Yeah. I I'm going. I I lean. Jake Owen, eight second ride, both in terms of the not that, that not that that's a particularly memorable version of the thing that it's doing, but I but it is doing it, but it's doing it right? right and and I think that it is better than 
the other thing that 310 Baby is doing. And as a, if we're going to talk about it just in terms of a sort of cultural default, I prefer up-tempo, rock-and-roll-ish sounding music to the mumblecore hip-hop about fucking chicks right. uh, that that was, whereas this is about the much more appropriate just fucking this one chick who walks into the bar, uh, I think, is what I got from a little bit of the song we listened to. So, uh, uh, reluctantly, I will hand it to the the country song from 2010. So I, I think. think, I mean, b- both of these choices are awful, but uh, I will, yes, begrudgingly go with uh, this Jake Owen character um, over whatever that was, Soak City. By the way, this is uh, the first time I've heard either song, and I can confidently say the last like they were well, both <laughs> one, once more you'll listen you'll listen to this episode no, uh, yeah, like sometime weeks, yes. in like December yes. Yes. Uh, when you catch up uh, but yeah exploring the 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 Billboard Hot 100 for this this week in 2010 not great although uh Lori good news I will play you now something that I found at number 83 which is one part of the entire genesis of this game this uh, video starts with uh, a, a rating from the sort of like you would get at the start of a movie. This film advertised has been rated PR for party rocking. Party rocking. If you're not drunk, ladies and gentlemen, uh-huh, get ready to get drunk up. Let's do it. Tell them if I owe, you know, let's go. They delivered their thing is incredible. All of their songs are the exact same thing. to the the hype man in in popular rap hip hop music I would be uh, persuaded to have a hype man in all music if that hype man was always little john which is why <laughs> you should be optimistic about the super bowl halftime show this year because you believe that little john will show up with usher and I think that yeah I think that it's hard for usher to do the thing that he does and not have little John along. He will definitely and have I think special further guests. that nothing is bad if little John is there. Right. We I think should, he'll definitely have special as guests. Part so of yeah, our, why not little John? As part of our upcoming prediction show, we definitely need to take a bunch of uninformed stabs at who Usher is going to invite to perform with him. But what was Abe going to say? Oh, no, I was just saying like he is definitely going to bring guests. So like that would be that would make sense if he did bring little John. Yeah, ludicrous. It more Lu- wouldn't make sense to not bring. Yeah, him. like I love some get, sort of scheduling. He's like on the. You've moon got to get ludicrous and, li- and little John yeah. on the stage with Usher, right? <laughs> He's not busy. He's like, what it's, are you doing Super Bowl Sunday? Nothing. It's in Vegas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
I I will be I will smile at the like if if we do not get any Little John or Ludacris, I will be uh, notably disappointed <laughs> on Super Bowl Sunday. And perhaps the only chance that I will smile during the halftime show is if Usher brings out Little John. <laughs> You've been listening to Cast Iron Brains, a podcast with Bob and Abe. Find the show on uh, our Substack, brainiron.substack.com, where you can join the uh, eminently uh, intelligent and handsome subscribers to the show, so far uh, numbering in the many thousands, including uh, the thousand man Jerry and my father, and now Corey. Uh, many thanks uh, to you. Brainiron.substack.com, where you can uh, subscribe and get the morning press delivered to your inbox every single day. Really tremendous work coming out of that publication over the over the last week. Abe, I'm sure you agree and have oh, no yes. objections great, to anything. Great content. Uh, I've tried to make it so that it ships out as the morning press from Cast Iron Brains, but it continues to publish as uh, Cast Iron Brains, a podcast with Bob and Abe. Apparently, I haven't found the correct setting. So uh, your name is on the thing, uh, Abe, I'm afraid. <laughs> so you obviously endorse all of the awful and terrible things that I say in the editorial sections of the newscast. That's right. Brainiron.substack.com. Please check it out. And uh, if you enjoy the show, uh, this one or that one, uh, feel free to share it with someone who you think might also enjoy it. Uh, who for some reason doesn't already enjoy it. Like someone that you don't like not not a relative of I don't yours think I don't think we've it's probably reached, already a relative of ours. I don't think that we've reached the ceiling uh for for how big our audience can be. Uh I think No, I don't think so either. I think that we are uh I am possibly I'm not going to associate you two with this. I think I can be a little rough around the edges in terms of like Oh, I think that about myself for sure. In terms of a person being willing to say, "Hey, Listen to this thing that I like. It could be like, ah, I don't know how good I feel about telling my friend that I listen to and enjoy this possibly quite antisocial person uh, uh, <laughs> who says awful things into a microphone every single week. Uh, but but you get over it. It's an important thing that uh, you might not agree with everything that I say or might say into the future. Uh, but if you get a kick out of it or you think I uh, made you think about something in a slightly different way, as Abe often does for myself, right? As, uh, the best part about this show is that when I let Abe get three words in edgewise, <laughs> uh, it often reframes the way that I was thinking about something in a way that I don't acknowledge in the moment, certainly, because that would be awful. That would be a, a sin against my own self and my, my sense of self and pride. But uh, without admitting it, it does affect the way I see the world moving forward. Or, I thought you were done talking. Go I'm ahead. sorry. You talk so fucking much. Yeah. You could share it with someone you don't like who has a lot of money. That they don't want. That's right. How many of those are there? I no no no. Money bags. If I had those people, they yeah. do. They already give me money. They pay me. Enough begging from me. Brainiron.substack.com. Share it with your friends and family, or uh, as Laura is suggesting, your enemies, uh, preferably your mortal enemies. Or just like neighbors that you would like to not talk to you anymore. The opening and closing themes of the show were composed by Mark Gillig, tetramermusic.com, T-E-T-R-A-M-E-R music.com. 
for more from him. I don't. I haven't gotten an update on new Tetramer music. They were supposed to put some shit out like a year ago, and nothing ever came of it. Uh, not that oh. I would. I wouldn't know anything about that yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, I would. I wouldn't uh, say stuff like that because you're the worst. Abe, did you make it to the movies this week? I did. I went to go see uh, Origin, which is a movie from Ava DuVernay. Uh, it seems like it's getting good review buzz, although I didn't get it. So, okay. So the movie is called Origin, and this is a recurring theme of these movies about these writers, enough of these writers. So the movie is about a book, but it's barely about the book. So the original book is like called Cast, and the, the, the writer was trying to draw a connection between racism in America and like where this concept came from, and she's drawing a connection to the Indian caste system. So say basically everything is the caste, not cats. Oh, I'm sorry. I yeah, thought caste. you said cats. Yes, the Got caste it. system with the you know the the untouchables at the bottom, and then all the other people above them. And so she's her thesis is that everything is from there. So like the Nazis in Germany, the uh, racists here in America, they're modeling their style after the Indian caste system. Which it sounds like, uh, I guess, an interesting... I, I never made the connection, but that's what they're getting at in, in the book. But the movie is about the writer living her life, coming to terms about like, oh, how she should write this book. It's like a totally nonsensical... Like, it's like things happen to her, like unrelated to the book that she's writing. So like her husband suddenly dies. She's like, you know, obviously that's sad. Then her mother dies, also sad. Then like her best friend dies, also sad. And then the movie ends. Uh, she's like, okay, I'm going to write this book now. And I'm like, why was this a movie? Like there was no need for there to be a movie. Maybe like a documentary about the content of the book that she wrote, which apparently won like some awards. I, I, I never read the book. Your complaint here is interesting because it's similar to the way that I've been thinking about a lot of the uh, side backstory stuff that they keep trying to jam into True Detective season four. Yeah, like, like why? Like, I, I know that you're what you think you're doing is you're trying to develop character in a way that is meaningful, but ultimately, all of these side characters are going to be shunted away and not be germane to the goings on of the show. Right, and because you're not doing a particularly good job of it, you're not actually humanizing any of these things. You're instead just sort of pointing at things and saying uh, this is important because we're showing it to you when in fact it's not actually contributing to anything in the show right uh it th that that feels somewhat related to yeah, your yeah. Uh, problem with this origin movie but I, I i'm i'm starting you know when i left the theater i was like well that definitely did not need to be a movie uh i was thinking like are are people giving it praise because of the book that they read. So like, oh, that was a great book. So like, whatever the movie is, like, oh, who cares? But like, that was a good book. But like the actual movie, if you've never read the book, makes no sense. It's unfortunate that I'm bringing this up in the context of the black woman director, I suppose, uh, given the, the current realities of, yes. the, of the discourse. But I think that we are in a situation where we're often praising movies because we think we're supposed to. And we are dismissing other movies because we think we're supposed to. And it doesn't matter what the content of the movie is. The discourse around the movie is predetermined by the identity and the political persuasion of the filmmaker rather than the uh, content of the film itself right. uh, because of equity. 
right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe that's the motivation. I'm not sure what it is, but I mean, there, there were you know certain scenes in the movie, like near the end, they kind of I don't know. I, I mean, I guess it'd be unkind to say that they're going for shock value, but like they were in the scene they were kind of talking about the journey that during the slave trade happened like the people on the ship and they're like showing like inside the ship and how people are just like throwing up and just like in these very horrible in this horrible situation as one might imagine right but like they're showing in graphic detail what that looked like and i'm like okay that's yes moving two minutes here but again, like the movie doesn't like it just kind of like, all right, and here's the book and like the end. Like it, it, right. it was a very weird uh, concept for a movie. We don't have time or uh, particular interest right now to get off on uh, this weird tangent of mine. Oh, then don't. But uh, <laughs> Steven Spielberg's Amistad yeah. is a movie that that is frowned upon today for its uh, perhaps slight dabbling in uh, white savior tropism uh, to some extent, just by virtue of the fact that the if you're going to tell the story, a courtroom drama uh, set in 19th century United States, uh, you're going to have a bunch of white male protagonists. That's just uh, the fact, even if you're trying to tell the story of an African slave ship uh, as they were. It makes me so sad when I hear movies like Amistad and even – I think I talked about this recently. The Cuba Gooding Jr., Robert De Niro, uh, racist uh, Navy diver movie from uh, the 1990s yeah. uh, where they, they run down these movies because they were maybe slightly simplistic or were telling a certain kind of story to a certain kind of audience – that were profoundly moving and meaningful to me as a young person and shaped the way I see the world and made me a better person, right? right? Like, like say what you will about Steven Spielberg's Amistad not being among his five best movie he's, movies he's ever made. Uh, but I loved that fucking movie in 1997 when I saw it. It made a great deal of difference to me as a 14 or 15-year-old kid. Uh, watching it for the first time. And the same can be said of uh, a movie like Glory or there was this goofy Charlie Sheen vehicle. I forget the name of it. It was directed by Martin Sheen. And uh, Charlie Sheen... was the... Really? President Bartlett? Right. And and Charlie Sheen starred in it as a... uh, uh, some sort of an army corporal or something, some sort of army guy who got in trouble for getting into a fight and he got sentenced to some amount of time in army prison and he was sent to army prison with a bunch of black dudes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I imagine I haven't seen it since I was like a very young person and I imagine it's not that good uh, and would probably suffer uh, from a lot of the same sort of un- Ooh, under, the, watch it. under the I same sort of criticisms great. that uh, that the other white director black character movies often uh, suffer from. Yeah. Uh, I got to look up the name of this movie now. So I'm uh, Googling Martin Sheen, Charlie Sheen, Army Prison Chain Gang movie, and we're going to see what comes up. The name of the movie is Cadence. Does anyone remember this movie no. called Cadence? None of the people in this room. Franklin Bean, an army private, is sentenced to 90 days in the stockade for drunkenly assaulting a military policeman on his base in West Germany in the 1960s. Master Sergeant McKinney, Martin Sheen, is the stockade commander who takes a dislike to the rebellious Bean. And my primary uh, memory of it is as some sort of 
white guy with a bunch of black guy uh, sort of racial justice kind of movies. And yeah, directed by Martin Sheen and starring Charlie Sheen. I was right about that. And uh, uh, Lawrence Fishburne is in this movie. Lay out, lay out, lay out. Bus is loose. Oh, oh, don't you know? That's the sound of a man back. working on the chain. One more. Hey, hey. That's the sound of the men working on the chain. Gang, keep it strong. Ooh, ah, yeah. Ooh, ah. That's the sound of the men working on the chain. I wonder where we can watch it. It is only available on uh, uh, to rent. It is not currently available well, to stream. Bob, your birthday is coming up. <laughs> yeah. What's it called? Uh, it's called Cadence. <laughs> anyway, By the I don't way, know uh, how we got L- to Cadence. Fishburne. It's eleven o'clock, and that's what happens. I, I think Lawrence, not for nothing, Lawrence Fishburne is the type who doesn't like to be called Larry. Like I think he would, he would have murdered you if you try to play your little Diego game with him. Uh. <laughs> Well, I would never be – the point of the game is you don't go Lawrence to Larry. You have to call it him like – It is not available on hard copy he'd be, on Amazon. He would be Stan or something. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, all right. Uh, you saw Origin. Anything else you want to talk about? Uh, and then uh, football and, and True Detective. Gotcha. All right. So uh, True Detective, we are caught up. We were one episode behind you, but we've watched now episodes one and two. Are you? Did you watch episode two last night? Yes, I whatever? did. I did. Yeah, opened with uh, the with that scene. Yes. I uh, I have a sneaking suspicion that this show sucks. That is that is my that is my opinion so far. So there are only six episodes. I don't know what the original. What was the first one? Was that ten eight. or nine or something? I think eight. Okay. Okay. So this seems like it's a it's a very tight. Six, get to the point kind of thing. We'll see. Uh, if think you I, think I, we've got, I mean, because the first episode sure took its time getting to the point. And I'm fine with atmospherics and taking your time. Eight. But I don't know if six episodes, like if there's this much filler and atmospherics in a six episode run, they maybe should have uh, run this through the old screenwriting room a couple more times. Because... Uh, right. I I think the writing on this is just atrocious. I, the writing is uh, not very solid. The dialogue yeah. is awful. Yeah. The yeah. the the reliance on exposition in the dialogue is done so unexpertly as to be embarrassing to listen to these people have to say these lines. Like there's so much. And I love Jodie Foster. I've loved Jodie Foster in basically everything she's ever done. Nell, where she played a weird autistic girl who got naked and went swimming in the lake. Uh, uh, formative That's for me. That's what the me. movie's about. That is what that movie is about as far as my 10-year-old brain remembers it. Uh, uh, everything else. Uh, uh, Contact, Silence of the Lambs, uh, uh, Panic Room, you name it. I've loved it that Jodie Foster has been in or, or participated in through the years. And she barely seems – like there are there are scenes – where she has either not read the line before or the line is just that bad that she can't possibly deliver it convincingly. Uh, I'm not getting any of that from any of it. I'm enjoying it very much. I'm never taken out of what we're watching. The the, the, the two areas of concern that I have are not, not what you 
describe, Bob, but like one is that from what what I heard is that this was a standalone kind of thing that they attached True Detective to. How can right? that be when they are jamming it completely full and, of True Detective the, shit from season one? Which is the second problem I have. Like, if if the first thing is true, then it makes the second thing kind of gross. Like, to where, like, this was a standalone thing. I think, like, uh, Die Hard, like, with Justin Long was a similar thing where it was, like, a standalone plot. Right. And they tied it to the Die Hard franchise. And if they're like, okay, this was a standalone thing, so they didn't have any references to Rust Cole's dad or other, you know, like, the beer from... You know all of these different connections. Or the, and the spiral, company the name. spiral tattoo, right, which features so tattoo. prominently in season one. If that, if they were like, well, it's some sort of other weird tribal tattoo, and now they just change it to a spiral tattoo to match season one, right? So if it turns out that you are superimposing, oh, the first season was very popular. Let's take some elements of that and just lump it into this thing that didn't have those things. Like I think that is going to be a problem. But so far. I mean, I like Jodie Foster. I like the, you know, this is fine. I, I, again, like I said last week, I would never want to live in the dark. But it's kind of neat that they're like, oh, these kids are having class and it's still, it's, it's, I would never want to live there. Isn't it cool? But like, I, I, I like the setting. Uh, but like, yeah, so no far it's like, No one ever I mean, needs sunglasses? It's got to be disorienting. I know I know. maybe like for a week it'd be nice, but like that has got to be disorienting. Just be in the dark Hey, there's times. good writing on television. I've seen them do it. This is not that. This is just right. dreadful writing. I mean, it's, there's a moment where, and, and, and I know that I'm, I'm hypercritical of these sorts of things, but when Jodie Foster and the young police officer, he comes over and brings evidence that he has stolen, quote unquote, from his father, uh, even yeah. though it like I don't understand why that's stealing because this is police property and she's the chief of police. So why why is it stealing? He did use underhanded uh, means to, to take the stuff. Right. But it shouldn't be at the dude's house in the first place. What are right. we talking about? And also, about? like, it's likely that I mean, we're only two episodes in. It's likely that he's uh getting paid to like run interference for the company oh right? obviously like he's, yeah obviously right, right. So and like, he's being catfished yeah. by the right like and it's all it's all so amateur like this all of this the plot lines are very like very cliched and rote and well, i can and see where they're all going is always duplicitous he is always playing someone who a duplicitous dummy though yeah, yeah. but <laughs> i don't know what else he though. was in but I, I don't trust him. Well, he looks I, like an actual weasel person is why you yeah. don't trust him. He just <laughs> No, but it's because of the other characters he's played. Yeah, because he always plays a weasel because he looks like a man-sized weasel. Anyway, I don't know where this is going, obviously, and uh, and far be it for me to yuck anyone else's yum. If you're really enjoying this show, by all means, continue to enjoy it as you see fit. Uh, talking will, to me. I'm enjoying it. I will continue to watch it, and I will continue to be critical of it where I think it needs criticism because that's what we should do with things that we engage with in the culture. Not uh, necessarily what we should do is to criticize things. We can just consume them. What One of the, one of the aspects of my uh, larger interest in True Detective and, and what I believe is the, is the grand narrative of True Detective through season three is all of the things that we believe are uh, can be explained by the supernatural or that we don't have a good human explanation for ultimately are explicable 
by the depths of human depravity and right. the randomness and chance of the universe, right? Like yeah. everything in season one with the Tuttle family, which is the, the senator and the governor of the state and the various right. other corrupt assholes along the way, uh, all of that cult stuff seems ultimately to have been uh, uh, just sort of a weird cover or like a men's club or a thing that they decided to do because they, they get off on it and not actually supernatural in nature, right? The same goes for everything that unfolds in season two and season three. The unifying theme of True Detective seasons one through three is all of this crazy supernatural appearing shit happens that ultimately... Uh, we have to come to grapple with as the result of human choice and human behavior and not something that exists beyond the realm of uh, the mundane physical world, even though it often looks like it. And unless the big reveal here is going to be that the the cancer-causing microbes or whatever that they're unleashing onto the world because in this mine and in the in the in the ice core research that they are doing is causing these hallucinations that we keep seeing, uh, mm-hmm. which would be a, uh, a, it would be a cheat for me when you show a ghost on camera doing a weird uh, interpretive dance in order to lead a physical person in the physical world to physical evidence, then you are, you're either telling me that this person is experiencing a ghost or, right. or you're or you're doing a cheat, which is to say that eventually this will all be swept away as oh, this is just a result of brain poisoning because of uh, uh, weird methane microbes or something that these people took in as a result of the evil corporation doing all of this work. Uh, then you're cheating your characters as well, who explicitly say in the season uh, episode two, she says, don't confuse the spirit world for issues of mental health, which seems to me like a direct commentary on season one one uh in 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 certain ways and also reinforces the idea that that the metaphysical is real in this version of true detective in a way that it very much wasn't in seasons one through three right now there are four more episodes so i'm going to reserve judgment like there are some some pitfalls that uh they can navigate around um but you're right if, if it ends up being if they break the chain where like the through line was that despite all of the mysterious stuff, it's just humans being shitty humans, like is the, the real problem. Like if they move away from that, then then it's no longer what the other, like the, you've right. lost the thread. And what there. I'm saying is that they've already lost the thread because they're cheating or they're, they're, they're doing something that is uh, markedly different. Like for all of the weird, mysterious stuff that happened before, we never saw... Like, I don't think we saw ghosts, right? Like, Rust Cole might have been seeing shit, but he was on fucking meth. Like, he was, he was on uh, serious, <laughs> was on weird death. psychedelic <laughs> drugs and, and, and drunk out of his mind half the time, right? So, like, the, yeah. the, we understood that he had a disconnect with reality in a way that he wasn't seeing the world for what it actually is. Whereas with the spiritual stuff here in Alaska, I think we're meant to believe that we're seeing the world as it actually is when we interact with uh, the spirit world, uh, which... It could be just sleight of hand and you know right. you have the poisonous element and you have you know the, the right, mad i'm saying that would, that would bother me if they nonsense. were doing sleight of hand what in about, this uh, way the mad scientist uh, breakthrough thing that didn't they didn't get the right ingredients and it makes people crazy i don't know we'll see we'll see how it right and also this n- 
nonsense that a person could be frozen into a block of ice for 48 hours and have his arm snapped off and then be put into a medically induced coma and have surgery done on him. Like you're so frozen through that somebody can touch you and your whole thing just lops right off. And within a couple of hours, they can have you defrosted and operating on you. That's not how anything works. It's like the freshness of vegetables. You know, they say they can get capture the uh, freshness early, freeze it, and then you can uh, thaw it later. The yeah, vegetable doesn't wake up uh, fucking screaming. You don't hear it waking up. You know, you, you don't have the. Uh, also, the I watched the the second lead, the 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 younger detective here, the non Jody Foster true detective the, uh, with the dimple piercings or right. whatever those are. And my first instinct was this: she must be some sort of UFC fighter. And then I Googled her up, <laughs> and she's a boxer. So I was right on she's, there. She's fresh. Of a, she's not, she hadn't done a lot of roles, right? No, she's and do you know why bit. she's not been an actor in the past? Because she's a uh, terrible actor. Oh, I'm not going to cut her some slack, Abe. <laughs> We're not grading on a curve here. And it's not like she's convincing as a representative of the local culture either because she's not doing a, an Inuit accent in, in the way that the others in the show are. Give me somebody like, else. If you're going to uh, throw a, a, a fresh-faced actor who's never done the acting job before get me somebody who believably uh comes from this universe the way that all of the other people in the town believably come from the universe and talk the but language she come from that isn't she like half whatever in real life she might be but she certainly she yeah. very obviously grew up in california or whatever like she didn't <laughs> she didn't grow up uh speaking the language Yes, and that's true. She's dreadful. Watch her. Watch, watch her when other people are talking, especially. That's what I want you to watch for. That old la- there's a scene with her and that old lady, and who seems like she's like a great actress. Like I don't, I've seen her. Yeah, in that's other Petunia shows. Dursley. Yeah, she's great, and they were having a scene where she's just like the the cop is just kind of just like just staring while the other person is acting, and it's like, all right, maybe by episode three or four, you know, she'll she'll get the hang of it. Yeah. Give it time. I uh, I don't think so. I, I suspect that this season of True Detective is ultimately very bad. And I'm enjoying it's gonna it be more better than, than season two. It's going to be better than season two, right? Just, just by I don't Jody know. I've got a, I, performance. I, I withhold all judgment on season two because I, I've never I was, gone back I and rewatched it. I disliked watching season two. I enjoy I watching the experience. this. I I enjoyed the experience of watching season two once I got past the fact that it wasn't season one because I thought that uh, Colin Farrell and uh, and Vince Vaughn Rachel were McAdams. and and Everybody Rachel McAdams very... everyone was very good in it even if the writing wasn't necessarily there in the way that it was in season one and then again in season three uh, yeah. but again I'll withhold judgment on that until I rewatch it. But I'm not withholding judgment on this piece of shit right now because <laughs> this are. is this is a bunch of cliched <laughs> garbage uh, uh, and expository dialogue uh, written by people that I had writing classes with who I would be merciless to uh, in front of the class. Uh, I, I do not care for it. Learn to write a piece of fucking dialogue. And further, if it doesn't work when you when you shoot it, then you have to spend 20 minutes rewriting the goddamn page, right. okay? Because when when that little boy cop goes to Jodie Foster's house for some soup, and they're and he's like, "I'll leave if you don't tell me the story right now. I'll leave with this pile of papers and won't come back. And I guess you'll be out the case." <laughs> and she's like, oh, "All right, sit down. Your soup's getting cold." It's like, "Ah!" Oh! 
The soup has just been poured into his bowl three seconds earlier. And that it sounds absurd and it sounds like a weird thing that a person put on a page that you should have recognized the moment that you did the table read through that it wasn't going to work because it sounds like trash. And instead you left it in your multi-million dollar fucking television show because apparently nobody tells anybody no anymore. Nobody is like, actually, that fucking sucks and we should fix it. You should have been in that room. Like, I wonder how that would work. Like, this is some garbage. This is an HBO show? This is outrageous. It is outrageous. Did we watch anything else besides football and True D? Nope. Lori says, I don't even fucking care if we did. We're going to bed. Hey, but we you... didn't. We watched football. <laughs> have you got anything else for us tonight? Nope. Well, I guess that's all we've got for tonight, then. And we'll talk to you next time. Later. <laughs> Sunday games, right? The, both of them? Yeah. So in Vegas, it's very glamorous there. Glampionship weekend. <laughs> Abe likes it. The word, so so obviously this Abe is. Abe likes it. This is a play on. Uh, Lori got off a good one. Like glamping, right? People go glamping. No, uh, no, no, no. Glamour Shut camping. Shut up. Glampionship. Yes. The, the that, sound, the sound that glamp makes is, uh, it's very bad. Like in the if base of my neck. If you just say glamp, it is. Like it but actually. If you say glampianship, it, has it a, sounds great. I have a physical negative reaction to the sound. It's because you're of, not invited. Of G L A M P for some reason. Like it's, it's like you're making me watch old or. Or old and fat people have sex. Like that's the what images get called up okay, when. But you are when I hear like glamping or glamping. But it's not glamping. It's glampianship. That also yeah. sounds like competitive old fat sex. Is what it sounds like what you're about describing. Glam? You just don't like the glam. No, there's something about the glamp, the, the P it, being added to glam. But you're only glam. doing that with the P when you don't continue on with the rest of the word. Uh, adding this E to P does not make it sound less disgusting. Glampianship. Glampianship weekend. It's fine. It's not for you. It's for, like, Abe's fancy glamorous friends. That's right. I don't know, I won't work it in today, but at some point in the future, the Academy snubbed the Mario movie, which, fine, like, it's not a great movie. Snubbed? But <laughs> this Was there is a some snub. contingent of people that wanted that piece of shit movie to be uh, nominated? Uh, was it that much worse than I mean, the other animated for, like, films this year? Kids movie, but like, I mean, come on, this is the Oscars, bomb. This is not the, some. Uh... The Oscars take place this year on March 10th, which has become known in the pop culture as Mario Day because oh. it's M-A-R-1-0, yeah, looks like March 10th. This is an outrage. You could have had the Mario movie nominated to win the Oscar on Mario Day. It would have been great.
The proceeding was created with 100% human content.